Hey, uh, so, sorry I was wrong about Gogo. Uh, looks like Gogo was a prequel to this comic. What? Uh, n- no, that's fine. Kind of expected that anyway. Uh, that really doesn't matter m- that much to me in the end. What really bothers me is that you're telling me that Power Rangers could have been like this the whole time? Now you feel my pain. Hi, this is my voice a year on T-Sid. And I'm a supporter of Moonwitch, Rights, and Wrongs, Ashley. This is Rangersplain, where Sid, enthusiastic, lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. Yes, we will say it like Hank Hill every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Uh, this month we're actually going back to the main, the main comic line again. Uh, we did... Way at the beginning of this podcast when we started with Go-Go. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually re-listened to our Go-Go, and this is when we were young and naive, and I didn't realize that this all tied together. Yeah, I I kind of had a suspicion, but, like, also the fact that, like, Pink has a little bit of a confusing storyline in terms of, like, how it ties into stuff. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think that helped matters. Yeah, it sounds like Pink really is its just own universe. Yeah, which is fine. Like, we are, we're, we're in the multiverse era of Power Rangers now. We just, we're just riding it out. You're just riding it out. So, what exactly is the first, what exactly uh, is the MMPR comics and what are they about for the most part? Well, for the first arc, let's dive in. In a separate timeline from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 1993, we meet up with the Power Rangers after Tommy Oliver joins the team. Struggling with PTSD following his encounter with Rita, Tommy tries to prove himself as a worthy member of the Power Rangers. However, between the alternate timeline shenanigans, Rita repulses pure evilness and past revelations from Zordon, this is easier said than done. So yeah, we're specifically covering the first two years of the comics, basically everything leading up to Shattered Grid. Yeah, we're trying to do the comics in the arcs that they are in. Mm -hmm. So we're doing Shattered Grid, uh, obviously we're doing pre-Shattered Grid, Shattered Grid, Beyond the Grid, all that stuff. So that's how we're kind of planning on covering the comics. Cards subject to change, as always. Uh, As always, we like to uh, do the credits for all who worked on the art book, it's creative effort all that stuff if i get any names wrong i am terribly sorry i we were working on the pronunciations a little before we started again the the writer of the both year one and year two was kyle higgins artists for year one was hendry persetia tony slilas and jonathan lamb uh year two was Hen- hendry persetia again daniel bayless daniel de nicolo Jonas Scarf and Jagdish Kumar. Colorists for year one were Matt Herms, Brian Ve- Velenza, and Jonah Fl- Laflente. For year two, 
my arms with uh, Sigi Ironmonger, Jonah uh, La Fuente, and Walter uh, Biamonte. Letters for both uh, Year One and Year Two were Ed Dukeshire, and the cover art for both Year One and Year Two was Goni Montez. Wait, I actually re-listened to our Go-Go episode, and I have such a hard- Like, you're braver than me, I have such a hard time listening to our first year. <laughs> it's it's quite interesting to actually go back and listen to our first year, because we've had- We had some cringe opinions on things, uh, and we were just cringe in general. Yeah. Uh, I think we were a little bit, like, 2010 Tumblr feminists at times, too, so that's always fun. <laughs> also, I sounded like a Disney princess, <laughs> and that's, like, a really thing to reconcile with is- my voice dysphoria was all, all like so bad that I just could not recognize I had a decent voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, it, it was interesting to kind of look at some of the opinions that we had. I think we we still overhaul like overall like have for go go and kind of also that like unsuredness of how go go tied into the Mighty Morphin line. Turns out it was not in line with Mighty Morphin. It was in line with this book. Now, I did actually go and reread the um, the first kind of uh, book one of Go-Go. Mm-hmm. I meant to go and read, like, because um, friend of the podcast, George, uh, he did leave us a recommendation to read up until, like, Go-Go Power Rangers, like, number 20 and Forever Rangers before Shattered Grid. And I meant to do that. But I ran out of time. Uh, but I did read the first, basically, book one, which had the first 16 issues and a couple of other things mm-hmm. as well. Um, and Go-Go still holds up very well, um, I will say. And, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, and I think it once you have read the first two years of the comic, it makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might go actually back and reread it. Uh, more of like re-listening to it was like our opinions on some of the characters, where what what they might have done differently and all that. Right. So, uh, yeah, if you can stand going back and listen to our first couple of episodes that were very rough, this one was like we were. This is when we were still living together. Yeah. Also, I wasn't going by Sid at the time, so it was very very odd time. Um, but we we definitely uh very much love that comic, and I'm I'm just glad that we're still in this universe. And I, you know, see, it's it, it's kind of weird in a lot of ways for me because I feel like you know you could start with Go Go and then go to here, or you could um like start with Mighty Morphin and then hit when Go Go was supposed to be. I think it still works, but Go Go makes a little bit more sense now. That we have kind of this this background, yeah, I guess. Definitely. And then you also wanted to touch on, so basically, the comic we're dealing with deals with two timelines. So yes. we have the main timeline within the comics, which is similar to Mighty Morphin in terms of, like, obviously you have all the same characters for the most part. Circumstances are a little bit different in terms of, like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously how they interact with each other how they met all of that fun stuff Uh, and then obviously it takes place in a modern setting so like they have you know Mm -hmm. cell phones and uh bulk and school have a youtube channel um which i i I know it's like i don't think they call it youtube in there because of copyright but you know it's basically a youtube channel oh yeah and then um a couple of other things too but you know it's obviously that this is mighty morphin but in a modern universe and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they have more conflict in terms of, like, 
hey, it's still kind of weird that we had this guy that we had just barely met before he tried, he went evil and tried to kill us is now joining the team. Yeah, <laughs> it 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 play definitely plays with conflict more. Yeah, but then like you find out like towards the end of year one that that particular conflict of Tommy joining the team of after the Sword of Darkness was destroyed is basically a splitting off point between these two timelines. Yes. So, because the main timeline that we're in, you know, the Sword of Darkness was destroyed. Tommy decides that he's going to be good and join up with the Power Rangers. And this is where we are now. The world of the coinless is Tommy, after the, the Sword of Darkness is broken, goes back to Rita. Yeah. And serves Rita Repulsa. And that's what leads to the world of the coinless and Lord Draken and basically everything leading up to Shattered Grid. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Uh, I made the kind of joke in the notes of what if Star Trek's TND tapestry, but it was about an evil guy. <laughs> so to kind of go over this very iconic and I think people are going to fight me over this. I think it's the best episode of TNG. A lot of people say yesterday's Enterprise. I say this one. Uh-huh. Um, and it's about uh, when Captain Picard's uh, artificial heart fails yet again. It explodes. And um, essentially Q decides to take him back to where he, to the incident that landed him the artificial heart in the first place. But bas- it's basically like, would you go back in time to your younger self as your older self and and everything you and everything you knew? Mm-hmm. And Picard takes up on this because hey, I'm fucking dead, you know, at this point. Right. And what Picard ends up finding out by stopping that incident is he just changes his path. And he ends up becoming this science off this like melee science officer that doesn't really become captain picard because he he was he wasn't the risk taker anymore right and so it's basically like one simple thing can just kind of undo the tapestry of like your entire life like one point yeah and with this uh it's a little bit more like uh expansive in the terms of scale but it's pretty much tommy's tommy's tapestry of what changes his course really is, do I join Rita or do I join Zordon? There might be like a third option of he's just like, can I just give up being a Power Ranger? Yeah, but we don't get that one. <laughs> and we don't get that one. There probably is that one somewhere. No, I-, I was like, Zordon's like, okay. Yeah, I do find <laughs> it interesting that like, if you go back and read Go-Go, there's the, the Shattered Grid storyline in Go-Go, you can actually, uh, works without having to read Shattered Grid because it's kind of like, a prequel but taking place at the same time yeah because the shattered grid storyline is about um in that book is about the ranger slayer going back in time and you see that she's trying to get to the year tommy joined the rangers but she realizes yeah. she went a year too far ahead and she was being the terminator yeah so <laughs> and, she, and she does eventually find tommy and hits him with that i guess a purifying arrow or whatever but i think that kind of in like that's i think that again it's a terminator situation she's trying to go back and stop dracon before he becomes dracon (laughs) (laughs) 
She is the much cooler Terminator. Yeah, so basic. yeah, I think, I, I want to say that that's, like, maybe the spark point of this timeline. Not to say that Tommy couldn't make that choice on his own, because I think she yeah. is hoping that Tommy will make that choice with everything that she shows him. I, and also considering the main, like, television timelines right. that we see, and you often see in the television timelines that Tommy did choose to join. Yeah. Zordon. It's just in the coin list. He was just like, nah, Rita makes more sense. Yeah, and I think he's got a lot of trauma in that whole universe, too. So I, that doesn't, yeah, really doesn't I help. I cannot wait to read more about this trauma. Yeah. Um, neither can I, honestly. <laughs> and you, uh, you wanted to touch on the world building about this. Uh, yeah, I found this um, because we've been reading a lot of Ryan stuff, and Ryan's really good at the like, yeah, Ryan Parrott, and he's really good at inner conflict and and all that. So it's like definitely different to read like Kyle's, and I'll touch up on, on this. But Kyle definitely has this like style of world building that he, it's just like he was so good at laying down all these foundations, um, to and also to define that yeah, this is a more modern Power Rangers. Uh-huh. You know, not just the whole, like, you know, they have cell phones and, a, you, you know, Bulk and School have a YouTube channel, but just the way the teens interact with each other, they definitely do feel more Gen Z than a bunch of Gen Xers. Idolize Gen Xers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they definitely feel more more of that era teenager than I would say, pro- you know... Than they were in the 90s. Yeah. And because of all this foundation laying, like, you have some really, like, some stuff I know that's really good coming ahead and some stuff that we've already read that was pretty solid as well. Yeah, I think it helps that, like, this was running probably about a year before GoGo started. So I think, as you said, with, Mm -hmm. like, Kyle Higgins laying that foundation, I think it helps. it, It definitely helped a lot with, like, building up what would happen in GoGo. Yeah, like, it, it really feels like Kyle laid down all the foundation and everything, and then from what I've read so far, Ryan was able to kind of, like, take the ball and run with it. Yeah, and I think, and it definitely helps with, like, I think it helps those two comics feed into each other in a very interesting way. Oh, yeah, like, it, it's definitely interesting how those, how they did feed into each other. I'll probably really see it when I reread, like, the first bit of Go-Go again. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, it's like the world, the world building I really felt was fantastic in this. Um, I also kind of really liked, um, even though I kind of knew what was going on, I kind of liked that, um, it did feel like that maybe this universe's Tommy would go side with Rita. Yeah. And I feel it's one of those things like, oh, this is actually a decently written twist because, Sometimes people are so lazy at writing twists. Yeah, I think there's there's like a quote from George R. R. Martin about like if you write a mystery where the butler clearly did it, and then like you you put a twist in that the maid did it just because you don't want the audience to think you're stupid. You made a you made a worse piece of writing actually. Yeah, which I think is such a problem with like a lot of like modern mystery writers like. Yeah, that they want to like if the audience is figuring out the twist, they need to they, they get in their heads like, oh well, 
if they figured it out, I have to, like, swerve them and do something else. And it's like, no, that's just a compliment to how you were setting up the writing. Yeah. That's like, no. (laughs) It's good. That's good. Yeah. You need that. I mean, though, I do like it when I can't tell what's going to happen in a book. Like, okay. So my favorite series that I got to, book series I got to read last year, uh, it's a series called The Thursday Murder Club by Mm -hmm. Richard Osman. It's a fantastic mystery series and also just funny as hell it's about these like four like four septuagenarians living at a retirement community out in rural britain oh my goodness and they decide that they're going to start they start a club where they look at cold cases and try to determine like see if they can figure out like well what really happened here and then they actually get involved with a murder mystery in town (laughs) Oh, and it just spins out into wild directions from there. But like, Osmond has such a great way of like he sets it up that you think you're just like, oh, well, clearly that guy did it, and then something else happens, and you're like, oh no, that guy did it, and like, but it's like it's such an interesting way of going about it. Like, and I guess it's a compliment to him that like he can do it in such a way where it's just like this is all very crazy for a murder mystery, which murder mystery should be a little crazy. Um. This is all very crazy, but it still makes sense in terms of the yeah, universe. It, it's, yeah, it, it's like you should be really good at putting in red herrings, mm-hmm. and you should be really good at kind of, you know, weaving a twist. Mm-hmm. Like, not... I, I don't mean to invoke the Ag- that, that one Agatha Christie book, and then there were uh, none, but there was the whole twist that... You know, when you're reading it, it's so clear that the judge was probably the only one who did this. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing of he dies in the middle of it. Yeah. And then you just kind of watch as the others just slowly go insane and kill each other. Yeah. And then you find out, and then you find out at the end, like, no, it really was him. <laughs> he he orchestrated the entire thing and it kind of was just like, oh, you know. Um, I had to read that in, in middle school. I, uh, I wish I'd read Agatha Christie in middle school. <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, it was one of those things I noticed with the leading up to it. Um, I did enjoy the twist of Lord Draken. Yeah. Actually being the one that's, like, this is who Lord Draken is. Yeah. And, because it it really did feel like you were gonna see, like, Tommy, you know, go to a different side. And even I was like, wait a minute, did I remember this wrong? Is this Tommy Lord Draken? Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, we all know that Lord Draken exists. Like, we read Go-Go mm-hmm. previously, where, y- y- again, you have that Terminator storyline of, like, Kimberly trying to pre- prevent Tommy from becoming Lord Draken. And he said, like, Lord Draken has also such become such an iconic character within the Power Rangers universe over the past five years <laughs> that, yeah, mm-hmm. we obviously know that, you know, Lord Dragon exists. He is Tommy Oliver in a future terrible timeline. And yeah, no, I I was definitely expecting it was going to turn out that like, you know, the Tommy that we're reading is Lord Dragon. And then but when they introduced the Black Dragon, I was like, is this related to Lord Dragon somehow? And then yes. <laughs> yes it was. Yes it was. It's some really good like writing and it's one of those, it's like if I was a comic reader without knowing too much of what was going on at the time period, mm-hmm. I definitely would be hooked. I'd probably say this fandom is a little bunch of crybabies. It'd probably cry about it, but... Yeah. 
I'm very mean about this fandom, but half of you deserve it. Yeah, I I, I read I read your tweets. <sighs> half of you kind of deserve being mean. At I'm not gonna lie. I'm just gonna um, quote something that a friend of mine said, which is, uh, you need to morph into somebody that touches grass. <laughs> yes, some of you really do, but, uh, definitely I would say as, like, a reader, if I was reading this monthly, I'd be hooked on this and, like, oh my god, what's going on here? So, um, speaking of Tommy, do we want to move on to characters and talk about kind of the, the character of this book? Tommy Oliver. <laughs> so Tommy, he's yeah, it Tommy is the main character of this book. It's it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. He's Tommy. He's the most popular character in all of Power Rangers. But I will Austin St. John might think otherwise, but it is Tommy. Yeah. But I will say it's it's an, it is definitely a very intriguing Tommy storyline. So Oh yeah, this is this is definitely very intriguing. So one of the things we like to note about Tommy is he's in this one is you know, where, uh, store, you know, main character, like, Tommy in the TV show, minus Dino Thunder, was always very, like, happy. Like, Tommy's just kind of a, a good dude who's happy and, you know, generally positive. You know, sometimes gets a little negative, but it's over, always over, over something personal. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, I can't get to school on time. And I'm like, you just have ADHD. Yeah. But uh, in this, he's an emo kid, like just hundred percent, like an emo kid. Yeah, because like he's got he's got some shit <laughs> happening with him. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, it looks like he's living only with his mom. Yeah, um, like sound like he moved around a lot as a child. Yeah, and then he's got obviously he has PTSD from everything that happened with Rita. Yeah, and. He's that, and now it's just like that entire thing is just basically put him on the back foot with the rest of the Ranger team. <laughs> and, and and yeah, and he yeah, he he think he seems like he finds Kimberly cute, but they have tension. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really kind of understand all it. Yeah, and and on top of that, yeah, he's a fucking teenager. So yeah. you know, being a teenager is tough enough. Having everything else happen to him, you know, yeah. As we kind of noted, he definitely has mental issues. Uh, you ruined a perfectly good ranger. You gave him PTSD. <laughs> Which, um, honestly, I am surprised it has taken this long to address that fact. Yeah, uh, because of Power Rangers, I think, being such a kid show, sometimes they just don't want to go into uh, trauma. They, they touched on it in, I think, later seasons, but it would just be so brief. Uh, but in this, it's it's like the main source of conflict, at least internally for Tommy yeah. in this arc, is the fact that he is living with this, like, whole thing of having to have been under Rita's spell and remembering everything under it. Um, and on top of that, it makes it a conflict for him because he's, he's new in town and it, it makes him... Like, it, it, because of that, it adds that conflict of him joining the team, um, where it's just like, you know, they already didn't know me beforehand, now they're really questioning it, they're questioning my loyalties, I don't even feel comfortable talking to them about, like, the Rita in my head. <laughs> yeah, and, like, so, because, yeah, it's like, that the Rita in his head, and the conflict he's having with his team, is such a driving force of everything that's going on 
Because yeah. I think I mentioned it previously about how much it annoyed me that the team just did not, like, the team just sort of accepted him in Mighty Morphin without really any question. I, I believe you have. Um, I have been re-listening to old episodes. I think that is one thing you touched, as that was weird. And it is it is very weird. I, I forgive it a little bit because it's 90s syndicated children's show, but it is super weird. It's just like, yeah, Tommy's our friend now. Yeah, like, he's actually our BFF. Yeah, like, not even an episode where they're just like... Oh, but can we trust him? And then he realized that, like, at the end, like, oh, well, we were we were very silly to think that we couldn't trust you, Tommy. And then everything is fine. Yeah. Like, just an episode, I think, would have been. Yeah. Like, because there's a whole episode, and I think, wasn't, no, it was Zio. I almost said Turbo, but it was Zio when Tommy becomes, like, the leader of the team. Or was it when he was the White Ranger? I can't remember. But then there was that whole episode where Rocky was feeling, like, down on himself and thought he was being replaced. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, you, no, like, you're still part of the team. <laughs> yeah, even though this could probably should have, like I said, if this was Zia, that probably should have been dressed, like, in season two of MMPR. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't, like, I can't remember if it was Zio or uh, MMPR season two. I just remember it involved Rocky. And I think it was Zio, because this is when, I think it might have been when he was the Blue Ranger. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't remember if it was when he was the Blue Ranger and Tommy became the Red Ranger or when Tommy rejoined the team as the White Ranger. That's all. Yeah, I know. You're fine. Somebody will correct us. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, I was thinking uh, it's a little bit similar, but a little different on Time Force when it came to, like, well, first of all, there was Can We tr Trust Wes from Jen? Mm -hmm. And eventually Wes proved himself enough. But then I remember about Eric and it's like, it felt like Eric was kind of, like, the Darth Vader boyfriend, <laughs> as it were, of, like, I know there's good in this guy, and they had to be convinced there was good in this guy, because right. he was he was such an asshole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just, it felt, it felt more natural for the team to be like, yeah, we don't know this guy, and um, we were talking about, like, Rita, so the, is it ever confirmed that it's actually Rita, like, in his head, or is it just, like, a Rita, like, a residual dispel, or just PTSD, or just, it's left to your own imagination? I think they de they left it vague enough that it was, uh, like, yeah. to your own imagination, because I think that, to me, when he finally kind of gets rid of her, I think that's an implication that he is learning to get past his trauma from this situation. Yeah. So, like, all of his negative thoughts about himself and everything that happened is manifesting as Rita Repulsa. That's how I felt, too. But you never know with Power Rangers, it could have been a residual of the spell, too. And it, even if it is, that residual of the spell is basically being a metaphor for that. So Yeah, so, like, I, like I said, like, I, as I described it, that's how I interpreted it. I, I think it also just helps that you never see, like, Rita through the viewing globe trying to talk to Tommy in his head. So that's, yeah, why, that I, seems that's like why I think it's all in Tommy's head, whether it's a residual spell mm -hmm. left over from when Rita had his, his, his like her claws in him, or it's just all in Tommy's head. I think that makes more sense. I was just thinking, like, if this was, like, later Saban era, Disney era, they would just be like, oh, no, definitely she's doing it. Yeah, no, yeah. that's definitely a plot device that would just be used as like, oh, no, she is really in his head. We got to get her out. <laughs> Instead of going the interesting route of like, no, you're you're a figment of my imagination. Shut up. Get out of here. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of here, Roger. Uh, 
and it's it's because um kind of going back to kind of the way like he moved around and everything he was new in town uh because of that he's like more of a loner and he doesn't trust people right away yeah because like i think that also plays into why he's constantly on the back foot with the team is that he doesn't trust the team and the team doesn't trust him yeah uh what is it i texted you while reading this i was like oh my god tommy just open up to them I was going to say, it's like, I constantly think, oh my god, Tommy, just open up to him, it's fine. And then remember, I don't really open up to anybody, because I'm like, nope. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, mood. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. I'm like, you can't say this about a fictional character, you do the same shit. You typically want the fictional characters to act better than yourself sometimes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, come on, Tommy, you can trust them. And like we kind of mentioned, uh, he defeats the Rita in his head. Whether like it, it is vague enough, so you can be whatever you you think it is. And uh, he he pretty much is like, nope, get out of here. I'm moving on. Um, and about time to meet his his alternate evil universe self, which is just such the f- the biggest fuck you of just like, well, <laughs> hey, you got over like your trauma from this particular incident. How about we give you new trauma by meeting like the version of yourself that never got over his Rita trauma and just stuck it out with her. Yeah, it's like, mm, fun times. The biggest trust moment really was when, I feel like when he was like, because earlier on they kind of establish uh, that Tommy's ties with the dragon coin and everything it because of, I don't think they knew how it was made, but basically it's like, hey, it has a different signature to the morphing grid than our tie. So, you know, when the morphing grid got cut off uh, from the rest of the team, but Tommy was still able to morph, it, it was like, oh, this is probably why. So he's like, hey, you know, we took this thing from the Dark Dragon. What if we use it to kind of split my power coin and be able to give you guys my powers so you can guys be Power Rangers? Yeah, which I I love the fact that that concept keeps coming back in the comics. Yeah. Because that's kind of what they did in Power Rangers Pink, where, like, they split Kimberly's power amongst, like, the the team, and where they were kind of all tied to her power coin. Yeah. And they were all, like, pink, and where this one, they were all, like, they were, like, all... Like, a weird shade of green, I kind of like that coloring touch, honestly. Yeah, and I do, I think Trini makes a joke later, she's like, like, when they finally get their actual powers back, she's like, finally, I don't look good in green. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was, that was, like, the big trust moment, not only for the team's realizing lies, they can trust Tommy, but Tommy realizing, I can trust these guys. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was just a great moment, you know, they're in a dire situation, he's like, hey, you know, me going out alone is not going to do anything, I will be temporarily depowered, but you guys will be able to do something if we split my powers up between you. Yeah, and I think that, def- that definitely helps, goes a long way in, like, proving that yeah. Tommy is committed to the team. Yeah. Um, and then he's starting to have early tensions with Kimberly, um, which was, it's a very different way than how they did in the show. In the show, they kind of just meet at the juice. She's just like, oh, he's so cute. And, uh, I think they, like, meet a little bit after the tournament. And he's just like, oh, there's this cool girl. Okay. And, <laughs> and then he gets kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, this is, you know, they later develop something from there. But they, they kind of meet cute. And in this one, it's just kind of like, 
It's ob- you know, it's pretty obvious Kimberly is a thing for him. Tommy sort of like it feels like Tommy reciprocates, but like they have their own bullshit. Mm-hmm. Not just teen bullshit, but parenter bullshit that really kind of mushes them together. And even it calls her out on it later. It's like, hey, you know, you're sometimes like very warm and welcoming. I definitely tell you like me and then and then you'll shut off. Right. You know, so um, we'll kind of get into more of Kimberly's, I guess, tensions uh, when we talk to her. But I definitely love this take on Tommy and Kimberly. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, it definitely gives them a bit more depth than just like, oh, well, we just automatically like each other. Yeah. I, I hope if they ever get the cat in this comics, they, they actually do more justice to her. She deserves. I'm always justice for. Yeah. I, I am always more justice for cat. Yeah. Maybe she'll get with Kimberly, <laughs> like how it should have been, in my opinion, because they had way more chemistry. Anyway, uh, we have anything else we want to say about Tommy? Uh, I think we are good on that. So let's move on to our next ranger, which is Kimberly Hart, aka the Pink Ranger. Yeah, we, we talked about Kimberly. Let's let's actually get into her. Um, so in Go Go, when we were like first reading about what was going on with that. Like, her, she was in the middle of her parents divorcing. And yeah, they, they were arguing a lot, and they finally just decided to split, and her dad, like, moved out. Yeah. And in this, she's dealing with that split, and she's also dealing with the fact her dad is remarrying somebody she does not like. Which mood? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we both have had dealt with that mood. Um, yeah, like... Just general, your parents dating people after they've been together for so long, or having parents split when you're a teenager. Like I've lived through that. It fucking sucks. Yeah, you were younger. You you were like college age teen too, and I was like high school age, and it it really is just terrible because you're you're used to them for almost all your life being together. Yeah, and then like my dad also got remarried really quickly after my parents split up, and like. I, I, it's not that I was expecting them to get back together, which I think that was what my parents thought when they realized that I was not happy with my dad getting remarried. It's like, yeah. no, I've accepted that you are broken up. It is the fact that you are just taking no time with this. I mean, he's still with his wife and I have come around to her a lot, mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a relationship with anybody else. You have your ups and downs. Um, yeah. But... It's, yeah, at the time, yeah, it sucked because, and I relate to that with Kimberly, it's just that, like, you know, this thing's going on, you have no control over it, and you're kind of just expected to be happy about it. Yeah, like, for me, my parents didn't date, like, my parents didn't get exactly get remarried when they split, they did date other people, and, like, being around my mom dating other people was a very weird thing. Yeah, it was that was the same for me too when my mom was dating after i was you know basically when we were living together while i was in like after Mm -hmm. i graduated college so yeah she's you know kimberly really is kind of going through that whole thing ashley and i can really relate to it's just like yeah you're you've lived with your parents for so long and all of a sudden they're just apart and uh for me when i was younger it was like I almost hoped within the first year or so uh, during the separation that my parents would get back together. Mm-hmm. And then my mom started, like, literally few few months into my sophomore year. This was after we moved. Like, she, the separation already happened. 
she was like, I'm divorcing your dad. And I'm like, oh, shit. The divorce did not get finalized till my senior year. <laughs> okay, I, I knew it was, like, happening while you were in high school. I just didn't realize, like, yeah. the timeline. Yeah, it was... I'm not gonna get into all the family bullshit on that, because there, there is some intense family bullshit with the way my mom handled it with my sister and I. But, yeah, essentially it was just, like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're, they're not getting back together. That's always a fun feeling to have when you're 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, she's she's dealing with that, and, you know, I can at least say the mo- the guy my mom dated when I was in high school, he was pretty chill, um, for the most part, uh, but, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, that's kind of fun, and then she's also dealing with her feelings, uh, with Matt, because Matt and her broke up in Go-Go, especially since, like, Matt went through all this trauma and everything. Yeah, now Matt's not mentioned directly, at least in, like, the comics that we read. But, like... like, Once offhandedly by, like, her dad. Yeah, but other than that, like... But yeah, obviously, if you read Go-Go, you can kind of see why Kimberly is kind of on the back foot about Tommy. Um... Because I'm not saying Mm -hmm. she runs hot and cold about him. I think she's just struggling with, like, hey, you know, I'm trying to get over this person, and I have a lot going on in my life. And also, I'm not 100% certain if I can trust him, and he keeps backing away from me, so I don't know what to do. Yeah, they're being teenagers. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And weirdly, you know, despite all this tension between them, she really was the first person to go to bat for Tommy. Oh, 100%. You know, hey, we should give Tommy a chance. Uh, she's 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 always the one who's pushing to give Tommy a chance, and it it's great. It's great to kind of have you know. It's basically like they have their tensions and stuff, but Kim is still in his corner. Like we we gotta we gotta like we gotta do well for this guy. And um, one of the things I, I notated um, if we're dealing with characters from GoGo mm-hmm. is kind of how they've changed. And it's like Kim's still a little snarky, and she's still very girly girl and all that. But uh, she she definitely comes off way more battle hardened uh, in this. Yeah, one hundred percent. As I joked, she's always the heart of the group. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I wrote it. But she she really like especially in this like trust Tommy. Um, she's also like when uh, Billy and Tommy do disappear for a while. She's the one that kind of keeps hope up with the group. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's always the one that kind of more or less is like that moral barometer, that that heart, that center that she was in the the TV show, and she is here. One hundred percent. Yeah. So next on our Ranger list, unless we have anything else we want to say about Kimberly, I've I've got enough, not much else. Yeah, all right. So. Well, our next ranger is Billy Cranston, um, who is our Blue Ranger. Uh, I'll let you go take this first point. Uh, to, to be modern with her memes, and this is probably going to age really terribly, uh, Billy experienced twink death, and he is now a twink. <laughs> um, so yeah, in this one, he's a little bit more sure of himself, but you can clear- tell that he still has his moments of doubt. Uh, the biggest one being kind of inside the dragon sword and there because Tommy was like, hey, some basically Tommy froze up and the dragon sword wasn't responding to him. 
And so they had to take a look and see, was it user error? Was it something wrong with the Dragon Zord? Right. Like, we don't understand much of how the Dragon Zord works anyway. So Billy's really going through it. And, he, you know, so is Trini. And Trini's learning a lot about, like, Zord mechanics. But at the same time, like, Billy's like, man, I, you know, I still don't understand my, my place on this team. Because it's like, you guys are all so strong and I'm Billy. Yeah, I think it it definitely comes up more in GoGo, obviously. Because at the time billy is kind of the baby of the team and he you know he's obviously interviewing for that job with at promethea which comes yeah. up again in this like because you yes it does because you do kind of get a more formal introduction to promethea in the second year of this book and he mentions like oh i interviewed for a job here and the well he's morphed like he doesn't take his helmet off at promethea while he's like in ranger mm-hmm. form but like they keep trying to talk him into like joining promethea again yeah and i think he actually talks to the woman that he interviewed in gogo if i remember correctly where she's just like you yeah. you seem familiar do i know you yeah <laughs> that was an interesting thing and um but yeah i think yeah he definitely has gotten more sure of himself but he's still struggling to kind of figure out like who he is and where he belongs on a team full of like fighters as you noted he definitely uses his wits more in this one yeah several i think like two like definitely two times maybe three times he uses his wits way more yeah uh and ability to talk to people because the first time you see it is when uh he's stuck in the whatever goldar's dimension dark dimension i think is what they called it the dark dimension and, you know, eventually he finds out, this is Goldar's dimension and Goldar can do whatever mm-hmm. the shit Goldar wanted. Goldar really is just there chaining himself down in this dimension and being emo. Yeah. So he, he just kind of, he just convinces Goldar to help him. Yeah, and like, Goldar begrudgingly gives him a way out of the dark dimension and he's like, don't make me regret this. Yeah, and then Goldar basically goes... Kind of back to Rita. Now implies that I, th- I think it's starting to imply he might be doing stuff with Lord Zed at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing that's been back and forth in the comics about whether he is yeah. truly a spy for Lord Zed or if he has fully joined up with Rita's side. You know, kind of a extrapolation and a little bit better version of uh, the the series where he just joins up with Lord Zed. Yeah. It's like, bye, Rita. <laughs> Who's ever the strongest, Goldar will go to them because Goldar's a win. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Goldar, I was just like, this is some wharf bullshit of just chaining yourself up in a dimension because you failed. Yeah, I don't know the name of his particular species, but like, are they like the <laughs> the Klingons of the Power Rangers universe? I don't know. I might have to ask uh, Pictor's brain apart and compare notes. Yeah, I mean, so. he does kill his own brother at Zed's request, so... Yeah, so... But that that might be dishonorable to a Klingon, uh, depending on the circumstance. True, so. yeah. Yeah. Cl- Cl- there's, there's a lot of weird shit with Klingons and who they are. Um, Sorry, I'm just remembering the Klingon acid punk thing from Lower Decks. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> And a choir of the Dishonored uh, coming on stage and wailing. <laughs> and the, the other time he uses his wits is actually against Lord Dracon because he's just like he's he basically still has his. I think he had Billy's Morpher from that universe or something. Yeah. So basically, 
Um, so when they go to the coinless, so you find out in the coinless universe that there are two rangers that were killed. Uh, Jason, who died, like, trying to become the White Ranger, and Lord Dracon killed him. Yeah, killed him and got the powers, yeah. basically. and that just fucked everybody in the universe. Um, and then Billy died. You don't know exactly how he died, you just know that he died as a hero. So it yeah. sounds like he stood up to Lord Dracon. Uh, maybe it comes up in Shattered Grid and we just haven't gotten there yet. Um, but, so, you know that Lord Draken killed old Billy. And so he finds out that he's dead there in that universe. And it kind of fucks him up. And, like, the tree of that universe seems like she's kind of fucked up by, you know, seeing Billy again. Yeah, I mean, that was her best friend in high school. Yeah, and it's like, I guess that would be kind of a thing of, like, if you, you know, if you're in Trini's shoes of, that, like... You see, like, you see your best friend, but it's not your version of your best friend. Yeah. But anyway, um, so it seems like he's about to surrender. Like, they're, they're about to surrender the fort and all the other rangers are going to surrender over to Dracon. But then, like, he uses his morph, like, the Billy's morpher in that universe, basically to hatch an escape plan. Mm-hmm. For her, for him and Tommy, yeah, and it, it 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 it's one of those things that he basically like does some morphing grid bullshit and bam, yeah, they're able to escape. And yeah, no, that was it, it's kind of one of those things. It's like Billy and I feel like the side of Billy isn't really shown too much in the main series, just because of like it's a kid show. You can't have like. I feel like almost, it's it's near Machiavellian, but it isn't. But it might be too much for, like, a standards and practice person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, you know, he's basically using trickery. Yeah. To get out of a situation. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, And we've kind of mentioned him with Tommy a lot in this particular uh, go-over. And that's because he kind of just becomes really, like, tight with Tommy. And they become gym buddies. Yeah, um, I feel like the, their time in the coinless universe, um, or the coinless dimension, definitely got them very close. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said, it see, realizing he died in the other universe probably fucked him up. He fucked him up enough, and Tommy's like, "Yeah, I'll I'll help train you." And they like one of the reasons why they basically like, "No, Jason, we're not going to run a simulation again." Is like it's leg day. <laughs> Leg day sucks, but we would rather do leg day than run the simulation again. And you, you do see them training at the gym. They're just bros training. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and it is really funny the way that they will talk themselves into doing more training. It's just like, well, <laughs> like, I bet the other Billy would do more reps. <laughs> to kill Lord Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of been Billy so far is... Uh, he's definitely more sure of himself, but has more doubts. And he also is like, he's definitely using his wits more, definitely showing he is the smart ranger and getting himself out of tight situations. But he's, he's also now, now we have an in-universe re- reason of why Billy is so jacked. <laughs> and, it, and it works. Instead of just, it works. Instead of being like, we hired a gymnast to play our nerd and that's why he is so jacked. <laughs> We're gonna. We're just gonna put David in like the loosest clothing, and hopefully, no one will notice. He is a very. He's jacked. That didn't work. It did not work. Didn't, it did not work. <laughs> um. 
So we're going to now our um, – unless we have any more to say about Billy. Uh, no, I'm good on Billy. All right. So we're kind of like moving on to Trini Kwan, our Yellow Ranger. A lot in this is a lot of kind of finding out, like, kind of her becoming the second tech head. Yeah. Of the group. Like, it isn't just Billy being the tech person. Even though in the main series, like, Trini is the secondary tech person, but it almost comes off as Billy's sidekick. No, she really is kind of the secondary tech person. Seems like she also knows a bit about medicine as well. Yeah, and, like, so when Billy disappears, and, like, this happened a couple of times in the series when Billy was unavailable, Trini would fill in for him. Yeah. So, like, I feel like that was a good kind of picking up point is having her fill in for him when he disappeared and kind of her struggling about, like, she, you know, she doubts herself. She's like, Billy would know how to fix this. Or Billy would know how to do yeah. this. And the, the team is very supportive of, like, we believe in you. You can do this. Yeah, it, they, it's basically used as a uh, tension point in a story to, like, cause conflict instead of being like, well, Billy's not available and we have Trini, you know. It, it definitely was a way to kind of explore her character a little bit more. Um, And kind of what I was talking about with the medical stuff is she's the second person to trust Tommy and she she's basically doing an, an MRI, and you know she's also talking about like her dad's a doctor. Maybe she'll go down the line of that. But because of her dad being in the like military and having been at war, it sounds like um, you know he dealt with some PTSD. And she actually said like, "Tommy, I see it in your eyes." Yeah, like she she calls him out on it, and like. And I think that does kind of help. I, I really like that moment between them because I think it helped kind of build their relationship a little bit more. Yeah, Tommy realized, I think it was there, like, because Kimberly was always going to bat for him and he was witnessing that. But seeing Trini, like, saying, you know, hey, you know, my dad went through some shit and he remembers these horrible things he did. Um, you know, it, it's and basically kind of saying it's like, it's who you are past that. And I'm, you know, and understanding his pain that Tommy just realizes, like, I can open up to these people. They trust me. You know, like, Trini definitely can see through me, but also, like, this is a trustworthy group of people. They're here to take care of me. Um, And you, as you noted, she's a little bit more mature in this particular comic than she is in Go-Go. Yeah, Goko, like, I, she would just nickname things. Uh, she also, uh, I feel like this one understands why her and Jason really didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's at that point. Um, but yeah, she she, she kind of had some, a bit of immaturity in Gogo. Um, and now she she's showing a bit more maturity and she, uh, a bit more battle hardened, as I said. Her and Kimberly kind of share a bit more of that. Yeah, and, like, her and Kimberly still have a very good relationship here. Um, something I really liked was between, like, Gogo and this book is that there's kind of this parallel talk about... there. It seems like they're kind of just catching up on stuff where, like, on the balcony of the... In, the, in Gogo, on the balcony of the command center, um, the two of them have a talk where they... Where Kim tells Trini about her parents breaking up yeah and they kind of wrap back around to in the pocket dimension that they have this whole talk about i think it was the pocket dimension 
It's either the pocket dimension or at Promethea, but it was, as I know what you're talking about, was that time at, like, during the Promethea arc. Yeah, and they have this talk about where, you know, Kimberly kind of talks about her feelings regarding what happened with her, you know, her dad getting, wanting to get remarried. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of the first time she's able to really, like, talk out her feelings because she's not having to, like, tamp them down for the sake of her parents. Yeah, she's she's able to con- confide in her best friend. Yeah, and I, I so I just I kind of just like the fact that they the that these two are the ones who keep going back to each other to talk about this, and it yeah. just establishes Trini as because especially early Power Rangers really had a tendency that the two girls on the team would just be automatically best friends because girl. Yeah. So I feel like them having these serious talks with each other kind of gives it a more sense of no, they are actually really good friends. I think uh da- uh Jay Dashing Soul Day on Twitter, I know he's been rewatching uh Mighty Morphin. I think he pointed out during the uh episode in season 2 where they get their memories erased mm-hmm. about when Aisha was going to Kimberly, you're my best friend. He was just like, you just met her two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. You barely, you barely know her. Yeah. Which, uh, what I did briefly read of necessary evil, they do kind of touch on the, the weird, like how the stone Canyon Rangers feel a little outside the group, but that that's good. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> yeah. And I do love the fact you do briefly see Aisha in the comic, in this comic. Oh, yeah. And she's in the Coinless you see universe. Coinless, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I wanted to kind of touch briefly on, like, Coinless Trini, even though we we did with Billy, is that yeah, she, she definitely is just this more shut off from Billy's dad. Yeah, which is understandable. Like, mm-hmm. shit, if I lost you like that, I would be, you know, fucking shutting myself <laughs> same, off to everybody. <laughs> same. <laughs> you know. Um, and one of the things I noted in our Gogo episode, uh, about kind of like a stable character, uh, in a narrative, um, or a static character, because people kind of, I feel sometimes are like, this character was static. I'm like, sometimes you need kind of a static character for the other's kind of jumping point off. And Gogo was in that ring of Gogo, it was Zack. And this one, it was, uh, it was Trini this time. It felt like Trini was kind of the one who was kind of stable and static and kind of that, like, core, almost like a foundational character for everyone else to kind of play off of a little bit more. Right. Do you have anything else to add about Trini? Yeah, I think that covers it. So let's move on to, well, we mentioned Zach. So let's move on to Zach. Zach, yeah. Zach's, he still butts heads with Zordon. Oh my god, and it's, 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 you know, and Coco, you know, you definitely, like, see this this kind of thing. I, I feel almost like Zack doesn't fully trust Zordon. <laughs> I mean, mood. <laughs> mood, uh, and this really comes ahead. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that come ahead. Uh, with Rita's offer, he- this was, like, a big thing you really liked, I know. Yeah, so in, so the way that the comics... <laughs> so Boom Studios has a tendency to do their arcs in groups of four instead of five. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of comics will tend to do like arcs in five and issue and sets of five issues, uh, sometimes six, depending on the publisher or the story. Mm-hmm. But lots of comics tend to do in groups of five. And so Boom has a tendency to do in groups of four. So you would read this in like 
in like the first two year PDFs that we had, we we would read it and like the first four issues have the story and then there would be a kind of a middle issue and then it would move on to the next Mm -hmm. part of the story. So there is an issue that's one of those where it's, I think it was issue five, I want to say, or was it issue 10? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm bad with that. Okay. So. Anyway, so there's an issue where Zach, it, it focuses on Zach, and I think it's dealing with his kind of insecurity about, um, kind of, it, it's, it's really is dealing with his insecurity about Jason getting kind of all the glory as the, t- you know, being the Red Ranger, mm-hmm. when, you know, obviously he's out there doing the work. And it's kind of surprising that, well, I shouldn't, I keep saying it's kind of surprising this didn't come up more in canon, but it's like, I'll consider what canon is. Um, (laughs) Everyone's happy and no one has conflicts. Exactly. But anyway, so in this particular issue, you know, he is feeling kind of down on himself and kind of feeling unsure about his place on the team. Okay, sorry. It was, it was chapter five, so issue five. So I had it right. So, I had it right uh, the first time. The chapter yeah. ten was the one about Billy that we were having the whole debate about the other night. Yeah, which is just like uh, I will say when we get to it, 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 I find it like up to you, bitches. Uh- Pretty much. <laughs> anyway, so in this particular issue, Rita approaches. Rita watching through her globe, uh, basically kind of kidnaps Zach and gives him an offer to become the Green Ranger. Yeah. Like she's offering him the dragon coin and you'll be your own leader and all that. Yeah, and like you can see he's kind of tempted. Like yeah. he sees the vision that Rita gives him and he is kind of tempted by it, but he ultimately declines and escapes. And she definitely waited for a really good point. Like you know, they just finished a mission. He was kind of the one who made a lot of the stuff work about it, but Jason got all the credit, so she she picked the perfect moment. Yeah. You know. We'll get to more Rita later. <laughs> yeah, and then so Zach escapes and he tell he goes back to Zordon and tells him. And basically Zordon asks him, Have you alerted the others? And he's like, mm-hmm. no, I wanted to talk to you guys first before I tell them anything. I mean, if Rita can re- if Rita can create a new ranger, yes, the consequences would be drastic. So we should tell them, right? Yes, but I ask that you allow me to assess the situation, Rita's capabilities before we alarm anyone. <laughs> this is like, thanks, Zordon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Zordon. I think that kind of is just another moment that Zach kind of clocks against Zordon. Yeah. I do, I do like, we can get into more Zordon later, but I do definitely like one of the rangers is just like, Zordon, you're full of fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I, I do really like the fact that, like, I, I really did like that Rita tries to turn the a member of the team against the rest of the team and kind of goes with Zack. Mm-hmm. It, it does feel underappreciated. Yeah, and, and, and it's it, the end of that, like, ep- like, they got uh, not episode but the end of the the issue is like zach was going to basically where they go hang out it's the juice bar yeah it looks like like a you know a diner basically and uh like they're all happy to see him and jason's like yeah that kind of sucks that they gave me all the glo- like gave me all the glory and television stuff when you were the one who did like most of the work of this mission yeah <laughs> kind of reassuring zach like you are appreciated I definitely shouldn't have gotten the credit there. Like, you did most of the work yeah. on this mission. So, and and everyone talking about how cool Zach was doing it. Yeah. 
And so that's so, it's very heartwarming. But due to the fact that he gets this offer from Rita to take the dragon coin and become the Green Ranger, you noted that he is kind of the last person to end up really trusting Tommy. Yeah, because essentially Rita's whole thing of just like after that, because it's mentioned and and I think that issue too, is that Rita's like, well, I won't try with another ranger again. I'm just going to bring up somebody new. Is um, Zach remember like all of rita's offer like hey you know i'm actually the good guy here i i see what you're trying to you know what what we're all trying to do here and i can make you a leader i can make you a power ranger so he knows what rita was offering so he's like what kind of an asshole would take up this woman's offer right <laughs> is is zach's kind of thing of like i don't know man like he took up her offer and you know, so to me, that sounds like he might have some things about him that might not be the most trustworthy. Yeah. And we don't even know if she, like, kidnapped him and didn't offer him anything, because she, she might have tried to do that before someone else, and she's like, fine, I'm just gonna kidnap and brainwash this guy. Yeah, because, like, she all she, she really says is that she's gonna start with somebody fresh, not necessarily that, yeah. you know, that they're gonna come willingly. I'm gonna die that it's, if it was, like, Bulger Skull. Oh my god, that would be... <laughs> Though there was a backup, she was they she did was like, "Hey, Bulk and Skull, you want your own monster or something?" Oh yeah, and then they were so <laughs> dumb with the monster that they ended up defeating the monster themselves. Yeah, so the power just like, ah, oh, goddamn, that's kind of weird. Yeah, so there, <laughs> it is funny that there are backups with Bulk and Skull that involve them both, like being like get like turning into a monster and becoming Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. But get like a monster's zord thing. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, going back to Zach, as you noted, he kind of settles more into his role as the uh, as the second in command of the team. Yeah, he's mainly there as like Jason's confidant, who Jason bounces ideas off of, and also the one who is most worried about Jason. Oh, yeah, because Jason is running himself ragged in this, and we're going to talk more about that in a bit. But yeah. like, you can tell Zach just does worry about his teammates especially jason <laughs> yeah jason he, he especially warns ja worries about jason but like where jason definitely does have the kind of the leader duty and jason is his own personable type of people but zach kind of has the whole thing of like he's a people person so he's gonna be like a people person with everybody and so he worries about everybody where you and more or less kind of acts as kind of the person you can go to before you go to Jason, essentially. I def definitely say that second command role and everything uh, is kind of a thing where Coinless Zack has a lot of trauma around all what happened, because all of a sudden now he's the leader of the Resistance. And I feel, I definitely feel like there's a lot of blame that on himself, like, I should have been there for Jason and all that, that, like, I, I'm in this mess because... Yeah, we're all in this mess because I wasn't that good of a Power Ranger and a, that good of a second in command. What am I even doing here trying to lead a resistance? Right. He does really end up stepping into that leadership role just in spite of all of that. Yeah. Like, you can tell that he really does, like, care about his team in that regard and trying to protect them while also trying to defeat Draken. Yeah, no, he's... He he's definitely uh definitely say coinless. He's definitely a lot more like completely about hardened and everything. 
and of course traumatized, but he's still like he's still Zach. Yeah. And you wanted to bring up the MMPR uh black uh I think backup. Yeah. So there is um in the second year they ended up publishing both uh, in the in the hardcover quote quote that we read. We had a we had a press copy from Boom. Uh, full disclosure. So in that one, um. There is a backup story. Well, not a backup story. So a story in one of the annuals by Jamal mm-hmm. Campbell. So he wrote and did the art. Which, by the way, Jamal Campbell is a fantastic artist. If you've never seen his work before, he's done work mm-hmm. on Power Rangers for covers. He um, did the art for one of my very favorite uh, young animal books at DC, uh, Far Sector. Which mm-hmm. I'm always telling people just fucking read far sector you won't regret it um which was written by nk jemison and um he also did a a book with brian michael bendis called naomi which i have not Mm -hmm. read yet uh but i've heard very good things about um it's one of the times that bendis like writes teenage girls really well (laughs) (laughs) allegedly i have not read it so I i can't confirm that but anyway um, so in this particular story, it's, uh, it's, so it's a story where I think it gets Zach's feeling kind of down on himself. And it, there's a really nice conversation in opening that between him and Kimberly, which I think like, mm. you know, going back to kind of the struggles that they initially had at the beginning of, well, not necessarily the beginning, but during, uh, mm-hmm. Go-Go where they initially didn't get along because like Kimberly accidentally got him fired. So he's kind of like seems like he's kind of down on himself about winning against Rita and they have this really nice conversation and then he gets basically pulled across time and dimensions um to a world where like Rita has like completely devastated this other world and like whoever's like calling in for help which I think it is I think yeah I think it's Adam I I think I do honestly believe I think it's a version of Adam from another universe Mm-hmm. and um so he calls in all of the mighty morphin black rangers that he can find across the multiverse and so that includes adam a couple of times there's a version of like zach with the dragon shield there's a version of zach that is a girl uh you see the the zach from mighty morphin uh power rangers pink there's mm-hmm. one with like the operation overdrive like logo which is, I am like, I, I wonder what his story is. <laughs> but it's all of these, like, MMPR Black Rangers called across the multiverse. I think it just shows that, like, Zack, no matter where he's coming from and no matter what universe he's in, is always going to, like, stand up for what's right. And I do love the mm-hmm. fact that you do see him meet the 1993-1994 the version of himself. <laughs> and there's a really great to- uh, part where they're talking to each other. He's like, nice flat top, Zach. Looking looking fly myself, Zach, but I- I'm seriously bugging. Why aren't we all Zachs? And they're like talking over like ninja power. <laughs> Adam, he's like, well, about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some stuff happens. Yeah, and so I, I think it's just a very cool story. And I think did George mention this in our um in our Hyperforce episode? I think he might have actually. Yeah, basically about how this was kind of one of the first spark points of having a multiverse within Power Rangers. Yeah, and especially in the comics. And I just, I, I just, I just like that this particular story is about 
Not all of, like, it's not Forever Red. It's not all the Red Rangers getting called into a mission. It is specifically Zack and Adam. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, just like, so cool. All, all, all the Zacks and Adams. Uh, I'm kind of now wondering about the Operation Overdrive. Is this just like, hey, uh, was it just like, yeah, we replaced the one dude with Adam. <laughs> Might have been what happened. Or, or like, if Mighty up. Morphin in that universe is just Operation Overdrive. I don't know. Yeah, I do love I there's one in there that's clearly a knight, and he's just like, Perish, ghastly fiend! <laughs> I'm just imagining him talking like friggin' um, uh, Sir Ivan of Xandar. I love, yes. And I think There should be a Sir Ivan of Xandar comic, but anyway. Yeah. I'm also trying to figure out if one of these, like, Adams is, like, supposed to either be, like, the cowboy Adam from, like, that one episode... <laughs> Anyway, I'm oh, getting off yeah. track. This is I'm just saying this is a very good story that is in the I think either the 2016 or the 2017 annual. I, I yeah. just really I just really dig it. And I just love like the various multiverse Zacks and it ends with the line of Remember Zack, no matter the odds, we will always ace fight evil. We will always protect those in need. We will always stand firm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just a vibe. Anyway, so we're going to move on to kind of our last ranger here. Last but not least is going to be Jason Lee Scott, the Red Ranger. Yeah. So he is still, in this so, case, the de facto leader of the team. Yeah, and he he's ve- definitely more settled into being that leader. But because of what happened in kind of the first arc of this, um, this which is, you know, I, the command center gets blown up and all this other shit and Tommy and Billy go missing in it and everything. Uh, when they are able to rebuild, uh, he starts pushing himself super hard. Like, we gotta do more drills. He barely leaves the command center and, like, re, you know, he's just looking basically at, you know what you do? He's doom scrolling. Yeah, cause, <laughs> like, so basically after, so after the first year, Rita kind of disappears for a few months and they kind of just start working with Promethea to protect the world. Yeah. And he just becomes, like, obsessed with finding anything bad that could be happening in the world that Power Rangers can help solve. hmm And I think, again, that's part of the pushing himself super hard. And, like, if you go- think back to um, Go-Go, where you find out his whole backstory in Go-Go about, like, he- where he was kind of the bully when he was a kid, but then he took up karate and he's, like, very self-disciplining himself. Like, he's self-disciplining himself to, like never be that person again yeah and it's like that super comes into play a lot right here um and as you noted he is one of the last people to trust tommy but he still drives him to school <laughs> yeah he's still he's just like uh, uh like i don't trust you fully yet but i'm gonna help you out and drive you to school bro it, 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 that is desolate that is also very jason i think it's just like i'm leader dude so <laughs> and like I think that, like, his position as leader, I think that leads to a lot of clashes between him and Tommy. Like, him and Tommy have a whole full fucking blown out argument. Oh, yeah. That, no, right before the command center is destroyed in the first year. Yeah, it's... I definitely love that Tommy and Jason definitely have this this, this t- tension, I guess. This is the best way to describe it. But yeah, he, he, he definitely has tension there. He's definitely pushing himself in. Kind of one of the things that you, you read in a backup is about Coinless Universe Jason is that with this pushing himself so hard, 
Um, with this, it was trying to get a, a something from uh, the power coin from Ninja or the white power coin. This eventually does kind of lead to his death in a lot of ways. Yeah, because like when because basically they're attacked in the middle of the transformation sequence and like instead of just i mean obviously he kind of pulls the self-sacrificing move of like mm-hmm. i'm going to try to hold off to, uh dragon and it kind of that's that was like well he ends up dying yeah it's like you're tr- you were supposed to just get the powers and then oops yeah oops now it's it's dragon <laughs> Yeah, and that that is obviously a spark point that fucks up everybody in the um in the coinless universe is losing losing Jason like that. Yeah, kind of where like Jason is a lot in this, but I feel like you know his big thing is just really pushing himself so hard and from his past and everything. But yeah, like coinless Jason just just really just dying just definitely fucked people up. Well, um, do we have anything else we want to talk about with Jason? Uh, I think, yeah, we're pretty good. Like, like I kind of mentioned, he's like, he kind of has that kind of one thing going on with him. All right, so let's uh, move on to our allies, which we have a, a few this time. The first one being Zordon, which, <laughs> oh boy. Boy, howdy. Uh, you, you definitely made mistakes there, Zordon. Uh. One of the main things we, we touched on with Zack, but there's, like, other things, too, as well, uh, especially when we, we are introduced to Grace Sterling. Uh, he he just has it. He keeps things from the Rangers, and it's a lot of it is like, oh, I don't want to burden you with this knowledge. I didn't think this knowledge was pertinent or, you know, or, like, I had to assess the situation more. Yeah, it's like, I'm not one of those people that thinks Zordon is secretly evil or anything, but my god, is, like, the choices that he was making in this. I was gonna say, Zordon's not secretly evil, but I do like that this Zordon is full of flaws and is kind of a dumbass. Yeah, which I feel like is a good middle point between, you know, the the, the original TV show where Zordon is kind of just presented as, like, this wise all-knowing mentor who like you don't really question in him because like he knows best for the teens yeah he makes mistakes in that all the fucking time um or nobody makes mistakes in mmpr yeah or the 2017 power rangers movie where he's just a fucking asshole He's just, he's just, you know, the worst version of walter white yeah like no he's like zorda i Brian Cranston, he understood the assignment for that, but the assignment was still make him just the biggest asshole. <laughs> yeah. He's very good at it. But anyway, so I so I like the fact that there's this middle ground between like, yes, Zordon is, I feel like he is very wise, but wisdom doesn't necessarily always equal smarts, you know? And also, you know, even though Zordon has lived a very long life, he, you know, that doesn't mean you know everything or that you do everything right. Right. And, like, you know, kind of what's hinted at why, you know, he chose teenagers, for instance, it's like, oh, they're easy to kind of, like, have and order around and then you kind of look at his first team of power rangers <laughs> i don't know if you want to get into that now or, or later when we talk about zordon but you're kind of like no you just kind of threw people together because like, i know people talk about that with like 
the first Power Rangers team from 1969, and, like, this is why Zordon doesn't hire teenagers, and I'm like, no, this was just more like Zordon realized, oh, I need to have people that know each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, there's so much to say about the 1969 Rangers, but we'll get to them in a second. So there's a very interesting part in the second year, I think, or, or mm-hmm. at least the end of the first year, where... Zordon, it appears that Zordon has been killed in the, the, the main comics timeline. And then there's just this issue where he's basically just floating across the cosmic through the Morphin yeah. grid. And he's starting to see, like, this is where we start to see, like, yes, this is, I, I know we've been saying this, but we are definitely in the multiversal era of Power Rangers for the past few years now. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. And... He's getting, he's, I guess he's going through the grid. I mean, Power Rangers, everything that is kind of just weird. You can just be like, the grid did it. <laughs> the grid did it. It's not a wizard, but it's the grid. Yeah. The, the, the grid is the wizard did it of Power Rangers. <laughs> the grid is very mysterious. Yeah. So, like, he's going through the cosmic, the grid, whatever. And, like, you see, he, he sees all these possibilities of things that could happen. And... You know, he's seeing the multiverse, and then he meets the coinless version of himself. Yes. And the coinless version of Zordon is actively dying when they meet. And it's this weirdly powerful moment of, like... Like, he sits and holds himself while he dies. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, whoa, dude, this is good, but also, damn, dude, this is Power Rangers. Yeah, and, like... It, and it's a beautiful issue overall. Like, the art is gorgeous. I love how kind of, like, a formless Zordon is out in the void. Yeah. And, like, it's just I, it's I, just very well done. I like how when he, like, like, how he's able to see everything, he just reaches out and it almost looks like his hand is ripping through a curtain. Yeah. Okay, I think yeah. I found it. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, chapter 15, so issue 15. And, mm-hmm. like, he's, like, looking through, like, uh, I mean, it's the coin, it's, a lot of this is from the coinless perspective, or rather you see some of it from the coinless perspective about what happened to Zordon and what happened in that universe. And, yeah, it's just, it's just very cool. And, like, that fucked up moment of, like, when he sees his past self, or at least that, yeah. that alternate version of himself. Oh, and, like, the messed up part there is, like, when he, like, the coinless version of Zordon sees him. And he's like, you are me from another world? Yes, I've been watching. And what do you think of all that you've seen? I do not know. In my world, Tommy Oliver has joined the Rangers. He has rejected Rita outright. So, none of this has happened? No, it has not. Hmm. Well, that sounds nice. Very nice indeed. (laughs) And he's dying. <laughs> yeah, like, but that is just so, that is just so depressing about, like, he meets this version of Zordon from a universe where Tommy made the, made the, the better choice. And Tommy yeah. joined their side and didn't join Rita. And just, he can, all he can do is sit there and goes, that sounds very nice. Yeah, and then I think that Zordon also gives, because, you know, going through the morphing grid like that sounds like it, like, drains you. Yeah. 
And he's able to give the rest of his life force to this Zordon to keep him alive. Yeah, and that's how he's able, and, like, he's about to die himself, like, because he's just sort of floating through the void. And he comes across Saba, who is able to kind of just be his tether through the void and, like, get through to Zack to say, like, Zack, have faith. The war is not not yet lost. There, there is hope coming. You must keep everyone alive until then. I will return one day, Zach, with those who will save the world. So basically, yeah. Zordon kind of orchestrates from the void of sending Tommy and Tommy and Billy from this universe over to this coinless universe, kind of helps spark that uh, events in motion. Yeah, and Saba kind of having to be the tether there to send this message to Zack that like, hey, hold out hope, or like hope is coming. Yeah. So I guess now we got to touch on the 1969 Rangers because oh, man. oh man. So like we said, a lot of, a lot of what's good about Zordon this is Zordon is he's he's kind of that middle. He's he's fallible. Yeah. Where originally he was not so. Essentially, um, if you're familiar with the psycho uh, psychopath, yeah. um, which we covered a couple years ago at this point, yeah, and kind of the whole thing about Psycho Green. Psycho Green ended up on the moon after he basically Bernie Frenzonied uh, his team. He became a Bernie Frenzoni and killed all his team. And uh, because of the moon landing, they ended up. Accidentally awakening him, and so Zordon's like, "Ah, crap! I gotta put together a team." So he for, of Earthlings. So this is the first group of Earthlings that are put together. They were adults, and he grabbed them from all across the globe. He grabbed like a, a hippie, a Vietnam vet, uh, someone in the Sada that sounded like she was way more smart to not be in the secretary department, but was. <laughs> A, I, I kind of joked an amalgamation of all the Beatles, but a girl. Yeah. And um, what seems like a Russian uh, part of part of the USSR Kremlin. I, I should note with um, so the thing about Tarona is that I think he's actually not. He's not just a vet. He is literally a soldier fighting in the Vietnam War that gets pulled out of the middle of the war. Oh yeah, he's no, like the war was the beginning. Yeah, I think he, he was in like a hospital at the time too. Yeah, because essentially when he's taken to the um to the command center, he's like, "There are no doors. The hospital had doors." Yeah, and so yeah, it's just like so he just pulls these five strangers from different parts of the world. They have to like put in a translator just to listen to uh, the Russian character. Yeah, because yeah, they have to translate for Nikolai inside of the fucking command center because they don't all speak the same language. Yeah, and yeah, it's just so what happens is that the team does eventually all agree to go to the moon. Um, with Grace being Grace Sterling, which we're gonna get to her. Yeah, being appointed as the Red Ranger. So they go to the moon and they're trying to work as a team to find Psycho Green and stop and, him from opening up the dumpster. Yeah, and the reason why she's selected, by the way, is because she knows a lot about the moon. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, <laughs> and it just ends tragically because they yeah. end up losing three members of the team trying to stop Psycho Green. Yeah, like. 
Jamie's the Black Ranger. She's basically all of the Beatles combined, as I joked. Yeah. Uh, she's the first one to get killed. Uh, it it was kind of a little weird how I felt how they kind of did her death, but she was I, I felt it was a little unclear. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to reference Avatar about Jet's death in the play. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, she she is, like, crushed by Raw. You know, essentially, she's the first one when Psycho Green surprise attacks her and Nikolai. Yeah. And then you have, like, uh, Daniel, who's, like, the hippie student. Uh, his visor gets shattered on the moon. Yeah. And when they were trying to go try to help him, you know, they couldn't get, like, Psycho Green immobilized them. So, you know, he... He he die he dies horribly, kind of. Yeah, you don't really see his death, like quote unquote, on screen, but it's just very obvious that like they were trying to help save him, and he suffocates. He suffocate. He basically it happens when like your your helmet like gets destroyed in space. Yeah, and then uh, Nikolai basically sacrifices himself to do a running gun on Psycho Green. Yeah, and. It helps everything going on, but yeah, it's like it leaves Grace. We'll get to her, but it definitely leaves Grace with a lot of like trauma because, you know, she was put as a leader of this mission and everyone, even though Zordon's like, it was my fault I got everyone killed. I'm like, you think? Yeah. And like Grace still. Grace calls him out on it at the time. She's like, yeah, yeah. Because Tarona basically is just like, he tells him, like, we weren't prepared. And if there's one thing I know, it's that you don't send in soldiers who have not had the proper training. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? No, sorry. What did you think would happen? None of us knew each other or what we're doing. How these powers work or what we were really dealing with. We were winging it out there. And now, now three people are dead because of us. No, Tarona, yeah. not because of you. The fault all does very much lie with me. The entire situation was extreme, but that is no excuse. I did not put the, you in the best position to succeed. And for that, I am truly, truly sorry. And Grace is just like, like, you're sorry? Really? That's what you're, you're going to say? <laughs> it's like, you, you three people died. Yeah, and that's all you gotta do yeah. is just like, sorry about that. It, it actually looks like Nikolai had a family oh man like he was kidnapped when he was with his family so it's just like you you got people killed and you you basically like i'm gonna put together who i think is best for this mission and i'm still trying to be like why'd you choose a british singer and a student that was a student protester yeah well, maybe a student protester, because he might have been, like, a weird anarchist, but why a British singer? Like... Yeah, um, yeah, it's just bad decisions all choice. around on Zordon's part. Yeah. And I think, I do like the fact that Zordon is willing to admit his faults when yeah. he's called to the mat on it, but, like, it is definitely just a, wow, buddy, you, you made decisions there, and they were all bad. <laughs> they were all very bad, and they got people killed. Oh, man. There... We'll probably touch more on Zordon as we go on. Yeah, so, because Zordon's bad decisions kind of inform a lot of the back half of, like, <laughs> the the second year. Um, So, kind of just moving on. Our next ally is Saba from the Coinless Universe. 
And he's kind of the, la- as we said, he's the last bit of Zordon. He's the last tether to Zordon, specifically the Zordon from the main comics timeline. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is that he is kind of supposed to be, he's kind of built part and parcel with the, with the tiger or coin, like the white tiger coin and the white power ranger and the powers behind that. Mm-hmm. And so he is built he had built in a failsafe to ensure that Lord or Dracon couldn't get to his powers and yeah, he's sp- kind of just he's just under the ground for a while until like Tommy from the main comics universe comes and he wakes up and it's just like Tommy hey come find me What's up? come find me bitches oh you did good yeah and kind of kind of go from there and you noted that he is kind of a bit more practical than Zordon yeah, Zordon, this isn't being like, Zordon sucks. It's more, Zordon's definitely more idealistic, I've noticed. And, because it, it, it definitely shows through his character flaws when he is fumbling through things. Like we mentioned with 1969 team, he just optimistically thought a bunch of humans could get together and work mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Like that. Um, whereas Saba definitely shows to be more practical, I think, as he is from the Coinless Universe. Uh, one of the big things that definitely made me, like, go, oh, yeah, are more practical was his, like, whole thing of trying to convince Finster to join them. Yeah, like, him and Finster have this whole talk that just, it's just there, when Finster is imprisoned in the pocket dimension. And they just have this whole talk about, like, having Finster join their side and ha- allowing him to create within the pocket dimension mm-hmm. and help with whatever they would need. Yeah, and Finster's like, no, I want my art to be seen, bitch. Yep. <laughs> And so Fenster Fenster's the artist that's like, I want likes on Twitter. Yeah. Oh god, Fenster. Fenster. We're we're gonna get into that. Yeah. Um that practicality I think comes with a bit of a fatal flaw because his thing when they found out that Lord Dracon was actually being kept in Promethea, uh-huh. his thing was to well, I gotta kill this bitch. Yeah, like he he wanted to go the path of, like, ensuring that Dracon couldn't get back out into the universe and doom the doom them all, basically. Yeah. And uh, he ends up paying for that dearly. Because uh, Dracon literally rips his fucking head off. Yeah, it's like, I, I get what he was trying to do, because Dracon is just, he's, ugh. Uh, <laughs> But at the same time, like, yeah, like, that was your fatal mistake. Should have aimed for the head better. Oh, well, I'll move on to our last ally here is Grace Sterling, who we've previously mentioned. She was part of the ill-fated first Earth team that Zordon put together. Uh, So she was the head of the secretarial pool at Nasada during the moon landing. And basically, at that time, she was chosen as the Red Ranger because she knew a lot about the moon. <laughs> it was like, so I was like, oh yeah, she'll leak. She knows a lot about the moon. And it's like, shouldn't she just be point person? And then, like, you choose, like, maybe someone else to be leader? Yeah, <laughs> and, and but anyway, even though Zordon, like, immediately disbands the team after killing three, of, getting three of the Rangers killed... <laughs> yeah it's like there's not much of a team left yeah Uh, but he's just like because she's like i mean she's ready to kind of move forward and be you know with her responsibilities as red ranger he's like well you know i don't really need like 
the, the, the threat's been taken care of. I don't need rangers anymore. Yeah. And so she kind of moves on. Well, not really, because, like, she blames herself for a lot of what happened. And in the end, she kind of ends up becoming, like, uh, she ends up becoming kind of a tech billionaire and when she creates creates Promethea. Which, yeah. Promethea is this island, like, R&D, like, tech paradise where, like, scientists of the world come together to try to solve problems. And she does a lot of military stuff because she it's essentially that proactive nature of i got it i know there's eventually going to be a threat here yeah so i'm going to build up to it and it kind of does mesh with a lot with the rangers because the rangers are like more of there's zordon's answer to that yeah but they're taught by zordon don't escalate a battle unless you're forced like unless you're forced to da 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 and Grace is willing to escalate without predication. Yeah, like, she... Because I think they end up doing, like, a military blockade on... Like, no, not a military blockade, a quarantine in, like, Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Because they detect that they're, like, this monster that doesn't know it's a monster and is going to turn into a monster within the next 12 hours. Yeah. But they don't know who it is, so they gotta track him down. The team gets mad about it. Because, like, you're holding people against their will, and she's like, we need to, but we need to discover the threat. And then you also find out that she has had, so basically, Dracon at the end of year one ended up in our universe. Yeah. Or not our universe, but in the main comics universe. And uh, Grace has been holding him captive. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody gets real mad about that. (laughs) Yeah, and basically they, you know, she basically they kind of get in a whole thing with her because like, you know, she's trying to come in through, you know, tactics and preventative measures and the team is like, we can't do that. This is not your, your, this is not your decision. It's not your command. Mm -hmm. And her and Jason really butt heads on it. And eventually like the team ends up kind of breaking apart from her over the whole keeping Dracon imprisoned. Yeah. Um, even though, like, she's basically just like, hey, I know where he's from. I know about the people he's killed, the rangers he's destroyed. He takes perverse pleasure in telling me, followed by promises of what he's going to do to our world, and killing, including killing us all. Jason, nothing I have done here has been done with malicious intent. I reached out to you, remember? There was a huge threat happening in the world. It made no sense to burden in you with this Dracon nonsense while he was safely locked away and we had more pressing threats to deal with. I'm trying to make that helmet a little lighter, remember? Yeah. Because her whole thing is that she's trying to kind of help the rangers, like with the Promethea attack to kind of make their lives a little bit easier. But obviously they kind of come to a bit of a loggerheads on, you know, what methods they should really do with that. Yeah, it's like, she's a girl boss and we support her wrongs. Yeah, I, I love Grace Sterling. She is such a fucking compelling character. And, yeah. like, I... Uh, does this, this definitely falls within, like, my usual love of, like, women who are, like, a little older and are probably not making the best decisions, but are making it from, like, a kind of a militaristic standpoint... You know, like Bo-Katan Kreese. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I I I love Grace Sterling. I I think she is such an interesting component to this like to these Rangers that we've never really seen in the series before. Yeah, because it's like you know of past Rangers, but you never get that like. There's never any interaction with that sort of thing, at least in the Zordon era, with the exception of time travel bullshit. Yeah, and like- um. Too much pink energy. <laughs> uh, so that kind of see, you know, not only like someone from one of the first teams, but also like that team was, you know, a failure. Yeah. And to kind of have that someone kind of looking at that failure and creating like Promethea definitely adds a very interesting layer to the story. And it, and it just kind of like it really flavors this universe well. Oh, for sure. Speaking of girl wrongs, are we ready to go into our villains? Yes, and um, we're going to start with Rita Repulsa, who is absolutely in this entire series. Gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. Girl boss. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Rita is just the most evil, terrifying bitch in these comics. And all I can do is just be like, I support women's wrongs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she she definitely uh, one of the things we definitely noted uh you definitely have a more fresh look at gogo but she is way more evil than gogo like shows her mm-hmm. and she's really fucking evil in gogo like they go into a lot of her war criminal backstory galactic war criminal backstory yeah. in gogo including i forgot how she ended up getting squat oh yeah the whole thing yeah. about like uh well her parent like squat's parents are just basically like here take our son so that way you won't kill us yeah and they end up she's like ends up demanding that they are killed but take squat anyway <laughs> yeah it's like i'll take this boy yeah and then like you she die. ends up like creating like a puzzle box trap for like herself or anybody else who tries to get at the dragon power coin yeah, oh my god. She she wants to summon the Hellraiser dimension, I guess. Yeah, and then, like, also, like, it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't, like, a Hellraiser puzzle box, but it was definitely, like, a maze. A killer maze. Yeah. And then, like, you have to think, canonically, this is all happening after she's basically killed her mother. Like, Fiano's already yeah. dead, but she killed Fiano's spirit, as it was. Yeah, she she just permanently murked her mom, and it's just like, god damn, okay. Yeah, so, like, she is just, she is just pure evil in this. Like, obviously, we know about the fact that she tries to manipulate Zack into, like, uh, becoming the Green Ranger. And, like, she also, like, fucks with Tommy enough that there is a yeah. split timeline over how much she fucks with Tommy. She, like, after Goldar comes back from his dark dimension, like, she pretty much shows that it's like, I have no use for you anymore, Goldar. Yeah, like, she basically is just, like, all about, like, the Black Dragon. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, she is just fucking ruthless. Yeah, she's scary in this. Yeah, like, absolutely terrifying. And, like, her and, like, finster also kind of butt heads a little bit and like she absolutely uses like intimidation on him yeah 
you know, she she can't hold him, I think, much as much anymore. So it's just like it's at this point, it's intimidating the shit out, the shit out of him. Yeah, and it's just yeah, Rita in Rita Rita be scary. <laughs> yeah, and you definitely see a lot of her, as we said, war crimes and manipulation, and just like how she kind of just has this iron grip over her like minions. Yeah. And like Oof. she ki- like she nearly kills Zordon and takes over the command center using Alpha's head. Yeah, and she uses yeah, she uses Alpha's head to like manipulate the rangers and trap them. <laughs> it's like god damn woman. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Um, yeah. but anyway, yeah, Rita is, yeah, she, I don't know what else to say, she's fucking evil. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, if you've always wanted an evil, competent Rita Repulsa, definitely check out the comics. Yeah, I can, I cannot recommend it enough, like, I'm, I was already a Rita stan before this, and like, again, I, I think, yeah, I just like the fact that, like, Kyle Higgins just Kyle Higgins and also Ryan Parrott and Gogo just make her an unrepentant bitch with a tragic backstory. Yeah, you're like, yes, my cat. Oh, like, <laughs> and like we we kind of talked about how she was so easily to manipulate manipulate Tommy. Yeah, into becoming Lord Draken essentially. Yeah, there's a whole story in one of the annuals that was written by Kyle Higgins. That is mm-hmm. essentially a um is essentially kind of a explanation about how Tommy gets the name Dracon. And it's kind of heartbreaking because it essentially is just Rita manipulating him. And mm-hmm. um she even like he even calls her out on it. She's like you made me do terrible things. You manipulated me. The spell was unfortunate, yes. However, there wasn't much time to get you acclimated to this new life and purpose. This is a war to remake the world, Tommy. And to put it in Earth terms, I gave you an atomic bomb. Oh my gosh, she's such a bitch. Yeah. And, like, apparently she had a, um... And the the explanation behind Dracon is that essentially she had, like, another, like, War- somebody she worked with who that she also kind of pushed the same way she pushed Tommy and that his name was Dracon as well. Wow, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, Take this guy's name. It's <laughs> fucked up. Um, but let's go into Lord Dracon slash the coinless Oliver, shall we? Yeah, so I, I will say, I didn't realize that Lord Dracon shows up in the comics as early as he does. Same here. I'm like, oh, okay. So, as you said, like, as we've mentioned here many times already, is that the difference between him and the comics Tommy that we're following is that after the spell is broken, he is essentially, he just joins back up with Rita. Yeah, he he willingly goes back to Rita, though, considering she kind of manipulates the situation and all that. Yeah. You know, he, he, from what I, from what I remember, it's like he kind of teleports out of there, you know, after it's all done and he just doesn't touch back with the team. He just joins up with her. Yeah, the team tries to find him and then like, it just, it turns into a whole tragedy from there. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to see more of his motivations as 
uh, time goes on, but uh, he starts out as just kind of another monster Rita hires, or it looks like the Black Dragon, basically. The Black Dragon arc. Yeah. And so, because basically the Black Dragon is like a Zord. He's kind uh, like it's a drag. It's the Dragon Zord that he is manipulating through t- uh, time and space to come yeah. to this universe. Because I think it seems like he's kind of he's going from multiverse to multiverse to kill his other com- counterparts. From what it seems yeah. like, it is. He's, yeah, he's like I'm. Pre- like other Tommies should not exist. Yeah. He's being his own terminator. <laughs> Pretty much. And so, as Rita had said in that same story that I mentioned, it said here, she's like, the world doesn't need multiple leaders. It needs one. It doesn't need p- multiple rangers. It needs one. You are my choice, and you will, and you always will be. We can do great things together, Tommy. You just need to be open to it. So essentially she, as you said here, she essentially kind of puts him in charge of Earth in the coinless universe and he rules with an iron fist. Oh yeah. Like he essentially has all of these um, centuries that he is given like the, I don't know if necessarily they have the powers, but they definitely have the looks of the other rangers. Yeah, it looks like he taps into the morphing grid with it too. Yeah, it's 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 real messed up. And like he, there's like we know that he's destroyed one particular zone out of like anger and like he's also like the school the high school has been fr- uh, converted into a prison. Yeah, it's um probably what he's doing cuz of how the black dragon like arm later is used to divvy out the powers what he's probably doing is tapping in the morphing grip with his own powers and giving the because it looks like he's giving the sentries their like powers essentially like i will make you these rangers and you know there is obviously like a rebel force um that he is trying to deal with too led by zach and um one of the things you kind of pointed out, he's definitely filled with some sort of self-loathing. Scorpina definitely kind of picks at it a little bit. Yeah, and, like, you can definitely tell, like, I think you see it a little bit in that story that I mentioned, um, which is specifically called Search Party. Yeah. And um, that he does have some sort of, like, it's it's very much, like, some sort of trauma and self-loathing. I don't know if it's necessarily all Rita-related, but... Definitely plays into it. And he is also just very much trying to shed the person that he used to be. Yeah. Like, you made a... You you can make this joke. Oh, yeah. I was like, Oliver's my dead name. Is just how that came out. When, uh, I ended up texting her that. <laughs> when Scarpina just kept calling him uh, Oliver. And he's, he's just like, Oliver. He, he just sounded like he was about to say, Oliver's my dead name. Yeah. Like, he does not... <laughs> He does not want to be called Tommy. He does not want to be called Oliver. He is simply Lord Dragon. Yeah, he he's he's pretty much Rita's tool at this point, and that's that's how he is. Yep. Yeah, he gets per- captured, but when Billy does all the bullshit, cool bullshit, and he gets captured by Promethea, like he's just kind of sitting and more he's being suspended in a in a cell and how essentially the things of Shattered Grid kicks off is he destroys Saba and looks like he kind of fucks things over. Yeah, so he escapes we'll back into there. the multiverse. So, you know, that's great for everyone involved. 
Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna definitely probably see more and more about him. Yeah, and I, as time goes on. Yeah, this is also making me want to go back and rewatch the Shattered Grid episode of uh, Hyperforce. Yeah. Hyperforce, so fun. Yeah, we should we uh, should like do that, like maybe separately, but we should do that before we do the Shattered Grid yeah. episode. <laughs> That's about all we we have so far on this man. Yeah, he's like we will be touching back with Lord Draken when we get to Shattered Grid in a couple of months. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess kind of now we'll move on to Finster, who. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Damn, bitch. You're fucked up. Yeah. Um, so Finster in this one, he's very interesting. Like, Gogo played a little bit more with Goldar and his motivations, but like, Finster here is kind of the one, like, the other one who we're trying to see, like, his motivations and it's not really quite sure what side he's really on yeah i was about to say like there's kind of the there's that backup that really establishes backstory which fuck like you you're ba- like torture artiste as you put it yes that's his whole vibe so he's just tortured artiste who like he does all of this for the sake of art you know his and art he- is creating fucking monsters out of clay <laughs> yeah he just loves creating monsters out of clay and he's like why can't anyone understand what I, you know i don't want to make like nice things i want to make horrible things you know like, and okay fair enough but like <laughs> yeah they kill people though honey yeah it's as we said like with the whole tortured artist thing there's a story yeah. in one of the annuals called perfect which is written by Trey Moore, who worked on The Psychopath, uh, illustrated by Fraser Irving. And this is like, it reminded me very much of like an older Vertigo comic from probably around like yeah. the era of Sandman. And the, definitely had that kind of cool 90s vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, it's terrifying. Like the, 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 sh- the way it plays with shadows. Mm-hmm. And all of that, and like basically, you learn that he had a wife named uh, Pel Pelpra, and uh, yeah, you know he was working as an artist with his clay, and you find out that he's making monsters, and he's like again a tortured artist because he was yelling about at her about ruining his concentration, and she's basically like, "Oh, this is grotesque! Like, why would you make this?" And he's like, "I can't spend the rest of my life sculpting." water fairies and dancing thelomares i won't i deserve better than that you've seen how lost i've been for this past year but now that i've found something fresh something in our town has never seen before fear anger suffering and like he's apparently just been setting fires as well <laughs> um yeah it's just, it's just fucking shit up and she's just like hey this is really fucked up i'm really terrified that you know art is not worth killing people and she tries to run away and he accidentally kills her. And Rita comes to him and is basically just like, hey, so I've killed the rest of the town. I could use your art skills. Come with me. Yeah. And um, basically, because he's just like, oh, God, I've done terrible things. And she's like, terrible will be wasting your abilities on a backwater planet like this. I have need of an artist fencer, someone who sees the beauty in darkness. 
And she's like, give yourself to me. And you find out for like the past 10,000 years or so, he's been trying to resurrect his wife with Clay. And he keeps failing. And mainly what she says is like, why do you keep doing this? Yeah, she's like, stop, please. Um, And he just, he starts all over again. And it's just like, oh my god, this is so fucked up. And and he do, he keeps doing more fucked up shit. Like he creates yeah. these monsters that look like humans and are basically sleeper agents that don't realize that they're monsters until they change. This included a whole village that greeted the rangers. Yeah, it's it's fucking creepy. I I fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's I uh, definitely when when there was the one that was being inter- like interrogating Promethea and he's you know this this guy's just terrified. He doesn't know where he is. He just wants to be at home with his cat and then all of a sudden he transforms into like a nine-headed cat monster. Yeah, which I will say there's a funny moment where like they have to they realize that the nine-headed cat monster they have to att- like basically take off all of his heads. Yeah. You know, like to play on nine lives. And there's just this point where Grace in her Mechazord just fucking stomps on him over and over again. It's like, a, like it's a very uh, dark kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. She's like, was that but, nine? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's also kind of one of those, it's like, is Grace Sterling all there? Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's so creepy that he made. And this goes upon, like, the super putty and all that from Go-Go, is that he, he almost nearly perfected it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, you can tell, like, this is, like, the first time you really put together just how powerful Finster is. Yeah. It's like, he brought to life people and gave them, me- either, you know, he he extrapolated from real people and killed them and gave them the memories, mm-hmm. which is fucked up. Uh, and it's kind of implied he could do that with the uh, pilots that got captured. Uh-huh. Or, like, he just made them completely up. Yeah, which is like, oh, that's... Which is equally fucked up. You just made these people to up to be sleeper agents. Yeah. It's like, oh, gives me the Ugh. willies. And that that was kind of... Um, and through the, the, a couple things came out of this is, one... When he was hanging out with Saba, you know, he, he, you just find out he was just hanging out there. So eventually he takes off his glasses, does some magic, and leaves. Yeah. It's like, you could have left the whole fucking time? Or are you just kind of entertaining this to see what they would offer you? Yeah, that's that's what it feels like, because he goes back to Rita, and then Rita's like, I want you, where were you? I want these all activated now. Which leads to one of my favorite moments, like, one of my favorite lines in the, um... In the mm-hmm. second year. And I'm going to pull that up right now. Actually, I have it in my bookmark, so that makes my life a little bit easier. Is basically, she demands they all be activated at once. And when she tries to do the make my monster grow, it kind of just causes them to all drop at once. Like, they can't, they can't sustain themselves. And she's just like, she's like, what is this? Why are they all weakening? Well, you see, these creations already grew, but they're not structurally designed to withstand a second growth, such as when you decided to size them up. Then why didn't you tell me that? Well, Empress, you spent a considerable time instructing me on what my role was. 
I took that to mean that you know best. I was like, whoa! Yeah, he, he, it's starting to kind of fall apart there, it seems. Yeah, it is. That is like pure passive aggressiveness right there. Just like, oh, it's so good. It's like, I thought, I thought that just demanded that you knew best. You knew better than me about my monsters, so. Yeah, and she just has this look of disgust on her face in that panel, too. It's so good. So, I guess we'll see more or less what Fencer's going to be like going forward. Yeah. Um, in in the comics, because they're, they're definitely, they're setting up like him and Goldar are definitely kind of like unknown agents in this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, because we're gonna kind of move on to our honorable mentions here. Like first being Goldar, which like he yeah, and he shows up in this, but he's not as significant as he is in Gogo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you noted, they definitely seem like they're gonna keep setting him up for more later. Yeah, because I know Lord Zed later kind of comes into the comics, so I'm kind of interesting in what his role might play in that. Yeah, George is probably listening and is trying to keep quiet. Yeah. We love you, George. <laughs> Because, like, you do actually find out within one of the annuals, like, Goldar's backstory a little bit, which is, like, Lord Zed basically convinced him to come over to his side and demanded that he kill his brother Silverback. Yeah. Which, that comes up again in um, Gogo, where, like, Rita convinces, like, Rita knows that, like, Goldar's spying on uh, her for Zed. And, like, she convinces him to, like, defect. She specifically says that Zed killed Silverback. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, by law, transitive properties. <laughs> Zed kind of, it's almost just like, well, uh, not quite, but almost like Darth Vader did kill your father. Yeah, it's probably close enough. Um, I didn't chop off his hand and left him in a volcano to die. <laughs> that was Darth Vader, okay? Don't ask me about that, Luke. Hey, Luke. I'm a, I'm a fucking ghost. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, definitely do feel like they're setting up Goldar for more later. And, like, definitely having, like, that weird mm-hmm. bit of conflict over the Black Dragon was very interesting. Um... We also Scorpina. Scorpina, like <laughs> we just said, she just keeps doing the time warp through like all of this because like we have the whole thing about like where she keeps going back and forth in the timeline during Hyperforce. Yeah, and then like she goes to the other timeline in this one to the Coinless Universe, and then you have the whole like time warp thing happening in fucking Soul of the Dragon. <laughs> which is kind of tied to Hyperforce, but not fully. So I don't know which actual timeline we're dealing with with Scorpina, and I don't know if I care anymore. We're just, we're in this for the ride. We're in this for the ride. Uh, Bulk and Skull, their YouTuber uh, YouTuber thing was a f- more of a framing device. Uh, you get more of them in the backups. You do kind of, uh, one of the things we, we were missing, what Skull was doing during the uh whole thing in the coinless uh he's actually a spy um for the rebels in kind of like lord dracon's main area yeah so like we do see a little bit of bulk in the coinless universe in this one um mm. obviously we see more of him in the in gogo when we uh meet the ranger slayer yeah because her and bulk are like besties yeah 
And so, but yeah, we get to see him more on the backups, like the ongoing misadventures of Bulk and Skull and that one. Oh my god. So good. <laughs> and the one backup where they become Power Rangers with the spare change <laughs> from Zordon's, like, power coin set. It's like, yeah, sure, we, we need some help. And then the the one where uh, Rita just gives them a monster to pilot around, and because they're just so they they want to they want to attract the Power Rangers first, they just fight over it and defeat the monster. And of course, the Power Rangers just think you know they just ran in there and uh, just fuck things up. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then we mentioned the 1969 Rangers at length. Um, it is interesting but, to see their dynamics and like the little bit that we get of the whole team. I was, I would say, I'd like kind of more of expansion on who they were. Yeah, especially like, and I, I kind of hope that we see Tarona again. Oh, I'm hoping so too. I love Tarona. Yeah. Um, and then I'm only bringing up Squat and Babu here because they don't really do that much, like in comparison to like when you find out their backstories in Go Go. But there's a so there's an on like there's a backup similar to the ongoing misadventures of um Bulk and Skull in the second year, which is just basically the uh ongoing misadventures of Squat and Babu. And it's where they keep getting in this multiverse soul jumping thing where they keep ending up in all these other universes and fucking things up. And it literally ends with a similar plot point to Beavis and Butthead do the universe. <laughs> because basically they end up in this universe where they're basically like kind of dictators but they don't really realize that and like everybody hates them oh, no. and then eventually from another multiverse there's a uh, more sophisticated Babu and Squat that are just basically like we're placing you under arrest and um say like the charge completely dismantling the balance of good and evil in the greater multi uh, multitudinal universes a balance that must ensure the survival of the Rangers of Power, for whom we are ambassadors. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, that they just basic, they get sent, like, these smarter versions of themselves send them back to their universe. And there's a plot point in fucking Beavis and Butthead do the universe, where there is, from a multiverse, where Beavis and Butthead are the smartest people on that multiverse, they call themselves Smart Beavis and Smart Butthead. <laughs> And they're try because Beavis and Butthead do the universe has a whole time travel plot where they get sh uh, slingshotted forward into 2002. Oh no! And so they're trying. So smart Beavis and smart Butthead keep trying to get Beavis and Butthead Prime to go back to the port through the portal to their own timeline. <laughs> and of course, since Beavis and Butthead are too fucking stupid to do anything right, they keep fucking it up. <laughs> um and so i was just like i can't believe they smart beavis and smart butt-headed <laughs> baboon <laughs> squad <Squat. Babu. laughs> i i can't say that this is i i have a feeling this is one of those things that they were probably just being de developed parallel to each other and i'm not accusing mike judge of ripping off power rangers because, like, honestly, the concept of a smart baboon, a smart squat from a, multi a different multiverse that work with the Power Rangers is very funny in the same way that a uh, smart Beavis and smart butthead are. I, and I feel like it's a common thing to do in a comedy story dealing with a multiverse is you will always run to the smarter version. Yeah. Um, and I will say, Beavis and Butthead do the universe is a surprisingly good movie. <laughs> 
I've only seen the uh, the the series after, which I really do appreciate the fire episode <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, that fucking episode is so good. It's like, wait, you want me to read? <laughs> Do a book report? <laughs> you see the pain on Beavis's face as he has to get the fire department to put it out. <laughs> anyway. There's um, a fire in your dumpster. <laughs> literal dumpster fire. Hey. Well, we're moving on to, to odds and ends here. A uh, little, little bit of odds and ends. Um. Uh, Ashley, you you definitely you tweeted this out. I I, I want you to kind of like um, go into uh, your thoughts about lettering in this. Okay, so Ed Dukeshire is one one of the best letterists in comics, like straight up. Um, and I love the fact that he does most of the lettering across all of the the Power Ranger series. Obviously, he doesn't do it for everything, but like in. It's, but for the main series, he does all of the lettering. And there's a really great part, which I feel like does a great job of, like, showing how important lettering is to kind of showing emphasis on the right word. To kind of show the mood of the situation. Okay, so there's a panel in the first year where you see Tommy talking with the rest of the team. And his the Rita in his head is standing behind him, quote, quote. And she's talking to him while he's talking to the team. And at this one point, like, he had... Tommy had gotten in a fight with Scorpina and, like, teleported her out to the middle of a field with him. And so he confesses this to the team. And she goes... He he says, she didn't. Because um, they basically like, how did she get Tommy out here in the first place? And he goes, she didn't. I teleported us out here. And Zack says, you brought Scorpina with you? And Rita, the Rita in his head, right behind him says, you brought Scorpina with you? Same mm-hmm. word. But, like, Ed just does it in such a way. And I wish, like, I had a camera on me right now so I could just show it. But, like, it's done in such a way that he just emphasizes brought in there. It's all bold. And in italics, just to show that, like, Rita is putting emphasis, or the Rita in, like, Tommy's head is putting emphasis on this. To kind of just, like, add the extra disbelief of, like, so wait, Zack has doubts with you, and I'm going to emphasize that very hard. Yeah. And I also just love the fact that, like, the Rita in his head has bubbles in all purple. Oh, yeah. To kind of just distinguish how very separate it is. Like, it, it just adds extra to the arc. Because the arc always kind of shows her as, like, kind of transparent, hanging around like a ghost. And, like, but I just love the extra coloring on her bubbles to kind of just show mm-hmm. how separate it is. And I, that's just, like, one of the important things about lettering in comics is, like, how much it really adds to the work. Yeah, Comics is like the whole thing's a tapestry, yeah, basically, and the whole thing rather more of a mosaic that comes together to make a big, bigger piece of art. And like you said, leathering is just it's a it's just kind of it really is another that just adds another layer to it. Yeah. It's another piece that definitely helps looking at it. 
Um, oh, so that's so that's the Ed Duke Shire Appreciation Corner. <laughs> um, as for, uh, I would like to point out, I uh, we kind of had this thing about me reading the archive comics and how I couldn't get through them. Uh, this is about the same length, and I had a much more enjoyable time. Well, yeah, because things were actually happening here. Yeah, things were happening. I wasn't dealing with my medication issues on top of that. Mm-hmm. But also, things were happening instead of being like, oh my god, this is a bunch of fucking nonsense. I'm tapping out. It didn't help that, like, this is the first time we've ever really truly gotten a full ongoing with Power Rangers. Yeah. Like, we know that they tried with paper cuts. And, like, you do see those comics in the back of the second archive. Um, But... This is the first time we've ever had a true ongoing storyline because the attempt at doing ongoing in the 90s at Image fucking failed. Yeah, they were just like, nope, no more. One issue, we're done. We're done, fuck it. Which is just like, I would have liked to have seen where that one gone, even if it was like going to be an extremely 90s storyline. Yeah, I know, it was actually kind of interesting, and then it's just like, nope. But yeah, everything else was a lot of Monster of the Week, and like... It just is just like, wow, this is just really fucking weird, and I'm losing my mind reading this. Yeah, you definitely lost your mind reading this. I was just like, I'm tapping out, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think it was, like, towards the end of MMPR era, I know, like, I made it to, like, Zio Turbo, and I'm like, I can't, can't anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. It's, there was a lot of nothing. Um, which, that, those were also the only books I read over, like, 500 pages last year, according to Storygraph. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it's a little different this year, because I'm fucking reading The Dark Tower, so, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah, you're reading, you're reading Stephen King. Yeah, so my, so. Uh, my, my numbers are gonna look very different this year. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, you, I agree with you, these are way better, this is a way better read than the archive, and I read 1,500 pages in about a 24-hour time span. Yeah, yeah, this one was 500 pages uh, for each of the uh, hardcovers we read, uh, and I, I was able to read them through within, like, the day. Yeah. And, like, I actually maintained, like, retained a lot of it, and it was a very good read. Yeah, highly recommended. We wanted to touch on the forwards. <laughs> so, JDF's forward hits very different now, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that was always going to be the case. But, like, even even if we were not in our current situation, his always just kind of comes across a little bit more sincerely. Yeah, he he definitely was the guardian of Tommy Oliver as a character, and he understood that so much. And the way I, I know JD, JDF was, of course, a very flawed person at times, but... He definitely was like, I view this as I would view a fan would would be into this, you know. Yeah. So I, you know, I may have may have grown out of Tommy, but you guys, you know, this this character means so much to you. I can't be an asshole to you. And this character really changed my life. You know, he was he was pretty much just some karate guy, you know, going through life and he was able to, you know, do something with it, with, with taking that role. Also, you got Karate Guy by the Style Blaze stuck in my head. <laughs> now I'm in a cowboy hat. Yeehaw! Sorry, oh didn't mean to, to, to cut into a serious moment there. 
Um, no, you're fine. But like you said, he definitely, he always feels so much more, he always did feel so much more sincere when talking about Tommy. Yeah. Then, the second year has a foreword from Austin St. John. It's even, this one's more funny because he's, uh, we don't know the update about the wired fraud thing. He actually might be going to trial. I don't know if he took the plea deal or not, so. Yeah, was, oh god, I told that to my friend Jesse, like, this past weekend when I was in Nashville, and he didn't know about that, and just, I wish I had captured the look on his face when his eyes just widened, he was just like, federal wire fraud? <laughs> <laughs> Um, go check oh out Danger Zone, uh, Danger Zone video in Mount Juliet, uh, Tennessee, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. But, oh, like, yeah, so, like, he's, like, Austin kind of just talks about his, like, experience of, like, auditioning for Power Rangers and not, and not realizing how much it was going to take over their lives. And... It's so weird. There's this line he says, Now I had to be, make sure to embody the leader that Jason was written to be. It's like, You're really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just. Jason wouldn't commit wire fraud. Yeah, Jason wouldn't say homophobic things on a panel where people could see him. Oh, yeah. That was before we found out about the fucking wire wrong. Yeah. Like, like, right before, it's like, hey, just to, just, to say, John just wants to remind you that he's a Trump-supporting asshole who, uh, by the way, if you are Trump-supporting and you're listening to us up to, to this point, why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's like, you're just an asshole who, um... Who really, it's like, okay, you hate gay people. I know he said some transphobic shit in the past. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, like, he's did the whole thing of we can't have these people in our bathroom shit. Uh, also, look like he got on the whole uh, wellness grift, too. And uh, it's just like, and now, now it's like, and now you're, you're possibly going to trial for wire fraud. Good job. Federal. Federal wire, wire fraud. fraud. Yeah, good job, so, Austin. Doing fucking good great. Job. <laughs> doing, doing fucking great living up to the standards of Jason. Also, I just want to say, I'm a little slightly annoyed when I read the hardcover. He spelled Nielsen wrong. Um, <laughs> he spelled one because it's like, uh, took the show to number one in the Nielsen ratings. But he spells it N-I-E-L-S-O-N. And I work in I work at a TV station. I have to deal with Nielsen ratings all the time. It is N I E L S E N. Oh my god, they didn't even correct it. No, I I mean it's one of those things that like if you don't immediately know that, you're probably gonna get it wrong. Yeah. But I just wanted to dog Austin St. John about that for a second. <laughs> He was like, fuck this man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like I'm gonna split hairs. Yeah. Cause fuck him. Yeah, oh, he like I miss JDF. That four definitely brought up that kind of weird missing him. Even though he was not my favorite guy. Yeah. I always made jokes about like whenever I saw CM Punk at AEW shows. <laughs> it's like it's look, it's JDF's not favorite dude. Oh man. I mean, I don't, 
In fairness to CM Punk, I think I would also have been annoyed if somebody was insisting that we should have an MMA fight all the fucking time. Yeah, let, let's be real uh, on that. Though, I, I wish JDF was around to annoy CM Punk at more cons. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. But at least sounds to say John might be going down for wire fraud. Yeah, at least we have that. Um... Do you want to touch any more about the back? Because we talked a lot about the backups. I found that they were very definitely good flavoring for the the universe itself. Yeah. So like, there's a yeah. So there are the backups that were in. There are some ex- that were exclusive to the hardcovers. There were the annuals, which typically those were just short stories told within. Yeah. Some told within the, the comic universe. Some kind of outside of it. Um. But yeah, I think they do add extra flavor to kind of the universe. And like, I think they also add a kind of a levity in some cases, like with the whole um, Bulk and Skull backups. Oh yeah, the Bulk and Skull backups are kind of great. Yeah. There's also like the one where it just seems like Kimberly and Trini were doing like a Alice in Wonderland thing. Oh yeah, which was really cool. I love, I like, yeah. I love the art on that. That was, the, I think that was the first power rangers thing marguerite bennett wrote so well and we'll see her later um i kind of want to go back to something we said earlier uh was the billy story it wasn't a backup but it was kind of one of those like you mentioned with boom and how they did stories uh so it was what kind of one of the main issues there there's this like whole thing with billy and we kind of were having a debate of whether or not this whole story with billy and the hero's journey was the coinless universe or not and uh, I think we just ended up settling it with, like, it seems like this universe really parallels so much with the coinless up until Tommy's decision. Yeah. That pff, it's possibly in both. Yeah, that's the thing, is that I... Because I, you were fairly certain that this was took place in the coinless universe, and I... I think it's because of the he died a hero thing. Mm. Yeah. That comes up later that I felt like you go back and you look at that. It's like, this feels like it's setting up for something. Yeah. And, f- and then you get that payoff later. Yeah. And then for me, I thought it kind of takes place on- during Go-Go. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of about, like, when uh, Billy makes the um, the communicators. Yeah. And which those already exist in um in GoGo. So I just assumed it took place during the kind of the GoGo timeline and kind of the lead up to that. But as as you said, there's not really a whole lot distinguishing the two universes that you I feel like you could go either way. Yeah. You know, and and that was that was my reasoning was it's like this feels like it's setting up for something later and then when you had the whole thing with you know, oh, Billy died a hero. Right. I was like, could that have been that connection there? Right. Um, of that setup. And then, you know, what you said definitely also works. So it's just like, yeah, probably both. Yeah. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was that weirdly poignant art talk Saba and Fenster have. Yeah. Like, it's actually a really good discussion about art and what art is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know? Because, you know, you kind of have Saba going on about the creative end and everything. And then you really have Fenster more or less, less talking about, like, well, art is meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the creator. 
And at the same time, I'm getting it, I'm like, this is, this is in Power Rangers, and this is the talking fucking sword, and one of the, like, monsters that they took over from Zoo Ranger. <laughs> so he's, he's very goofy looking. Yeah. <laughs> that's the I that's the best part about it, I think. Yeah, that's like the best part is this really good philosophical talk between a talking sword and a goofy looking monster. And um I think the final thing we wanted to touch up on was the weird biographies that aged very poorly that Trini read. Uh, the one I picked up uh, was obviously the Elon Musk one. For those listening to podcast who probably who may not maybe remember that time period or scrubbed it from their memory, which I don't blame you, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a point in time where Elon Musk really was everywhere because he was just trying to convince people he was t- real life Tony Stark. Yeah, and so like people did see him as such. I th- a lot of people have come around and realized, oh no, he's just a fucking idiot. Um, yeah, no, it, this is this has been a decently recent development. Like, you know, some of us did get fooled by him. You know, I'm not gonna lie, I got kind of enamored by him for a bit. So yeah, but then you know he ruined that really quickly by his Twitter behavior. Oh yeah, no, and. uh now he now he's really showing he's an idiot by just tanking a social media platform. Oh yeah, but he does no idea how to run. He also went from the richest person in the world in during the year, like he beginning of the year he became that or something last year, and then now he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for like largest wealth loss. Which, considering the fact that you have to kind of pay to get into the Guinness Book of World Records, he's just fucking bragging about that. Yeah, he, he, that's that's fucking hilarious that you paid the Guinness Book of World Records to re- record. It's definitely that uh, comic of the guy wetting his pants. Oh, yeah. And everyone's laughing. It's like, ah, oh, they're so owned. It's like, no, honey, you don't buy that uh, world record in Guinness. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it was a substantial, because he went, he's no longer the richest person. Yeah. So, but yeah, she has this list of, like, recommended reading lists, and there's, like, a book about Elon Musk, a book about Google. But the one I noticed is that she has a book written by Peter Thiel. Yeah, you noticed that, and I was like, who? You need to remind me who he is. So, Peter Thiel is another billionaire fuck type. Um... (laughs) And Peter- Speaking of PayPal and all its weird people. Yeah, so Peter Thiel was one of the people who worked at, like, helped create PayPal. And I think he still works on the board of directors, if I remember correctly. And so the main reason I know Peter Thiel is because he bankrolled Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker. And also, he's a, fo- a co-founder of Palantir, so you know he's evil. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he co-founded, so no, he he bankrolled, he co-founded PayPal, co-founded Palantir, bankrolled Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker because he had a grudge against Gawker for outing him as gay. Uh, which, not a good thing you should do. Like, I don't... <sighs> I don't blame a grudge against Gawker. What I do hate is the fact that he literally bankrupted them into shutting down. 
And basically, it was literally just a billionaire flexing that he had enough money and power to shut down an entire news outlet. Peter Thiel is an evil fucking person who was willing to bankroll Hulk Hogan also being an evil fucking person to do evil fucking person shit. (laughs) He's just kind of a rich dick. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know why there's a whole... Like, re- why Peter Thiel's on this recommended reading list along with um, a book about Elon Musk. I don't know anything about the How Google Works or Creativity Inc. book. So, like, I don't know if those are also by evil people or, or like, kind of scrubbing evilness. But then there's also American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Sure, why not? So, I'm like, okay, sure. What is this reading list? Um, I like I said, you know, this this did come out in a time where like Elon Musk was like still looked on really nicely. So yeah. it's just definitely one of those like, yeah, this came out in the mid to late twenty teens because uh, there's Elon Musk there as a recommended reading. Yeah, and like I'm just also like, why would you put Peter Thiel on there along with all of that? Just he's I think it's because he was a tech industry person. He she was reading about like Grace. Yeah, that's. I, I'll buy it in that regard, but I just, ugh, no. Ew. 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 You can, that is the one thing you're just gonna ask Kyle Higgins. It's just like, why? Yeah, why Peter Thiel? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's, that's basically all we, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, no? I think that's all we have to talk no, about. No, I'm good. Uh, verdict, we, we definitely love the comics. Um, yeah. Uh, for my thing, this is the first arc of the comics, um, and it was actually, honestly, like, super engaging. Like, we, this was, I think, actually longer than the archive that we read, and I was, like I said, I was able to, like, read and, uh, maintain, like, and maintain a lot of knowledge from reading it, um, within, like, barely a day like i think it took like five hours to read all of it um they 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 were more modern power they were more modern power rangers and it definitely uh it definitely felt like it was more of a mature audience um we might be able to touch more on that later uh in later episodes but it definitely felt like it was meant for the adult audience um and well having a different take on the mighty morphin days it was still familiar enough that like if you were just a casual fan or something you could you could pick up the series at a comic book shop you'd be like oh hey a parenter's comic um kyle higgins did a great job with world building that was already there and more or less like taking that and molding and laying a foundation for the series to come I really cannot wait to dive more into the story and see where it goes. Honestly, the first two years of the series, while obviously setting up for a larger narrative and Shattered Grid, feel like a great example of how to craft a more mature version of something originally aimed with for children without getting excessively dark for the sake of being dark. The Rangers feel like teenagers with the weight of the world on their shoulders while still dealing with regular teenage emotions. And the story is an excellent evolution of the idea of a Power Rangers multiverse and creating evil in this universe that feels evil. My only regret is that we weren't able to get to these sooner, but it was well worth the wait. All right, and that's it for our podcast this month. Um, As always, we would like to thank Kate Nix for our bitchin' theme song. 
Currently, her site, katenicks.com, is under construction. However, Linktree under I am Kate Nix links you to her Bandcamp streaming sites and streaming site, uh, katenicks.tv. She does a bi-monthly show, The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you're wondering if it's an on or off month, you can check out her show's Instagram. It's The Lounge. You can watch older episodes on her YouTube channel, Kate Nix. She also has a personal account using Zenatac, which is Kate Nix spelled backwards, on Instagram. Twitter and TikTok if you want Flair Fashion and Winslow, the big piano playing cat. Uh, we also like to thank Joe Hunter for our artwork. Joe Hunter is a comic book artist who has done backups for Radiant Black, a story in Headlock Comics, Tales from the Road series, and is currently working on Beast Heart Strikers with co-creator and writer Land Pitts. If you can support him on Patreon at Joe Hunter underscore hunter and threadless at joehunter.threadless.com you can find him on twitter for as long as twitter is going to be on um as joe uh joe underscore hunter and instagram as joe bloody hunter we also would like to thank kurt yoder for the editing uh you can find his uh perler pixel pieces at great sg creations on etsy and great sg pixels on twitter you can also just follow him on twitter at uh the great sg if, if you like anime and cats and, of course, thank you to our $5 patrons. Griffman, uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, if you'd like to support the show um, on Patreon, uh, we are um, on Patreon at patreon.com slash rangersplain. $2 a month gives you to our episodes early, and our $5 gives uh, you access to a, an exclusive monthly stream where we do we just shoot the shit and watch Power Rangers. It's really fun. Our rest of the podcast is none other than Billy Dixon. He's here, he's queer, and he's cool as shit. And also, because we as, we're gay as shit, we got the sponsor gay wrestlers doing gay shit, thanks to him. Uh, we sponsor him in Lowe's last show under Pro Wrestling Vive, uh, Bromatica. Go check it out on IWTV. They put in a lot of hard work into it. Uh, fuck the DC Commission. Yeah, fuck the DC Commission indeed. Yeah. Wrestling doesn't need to be sports commissioned in, in general anyway. Yeah, it's fake as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and at Miss Kitty F as usual. Um, trying to use Instagram more. It's been kind of successful at it. Uh, you can also find my link tree on both accounts that will take you to all of my shops, uh, including my itch.io account and my, uh, my main store, ashley-leckwell.square.site, which I am probably going to rename soon. Um, <laughs> but you can find it there. You can go there and you can find my beanies. I have several different pride flag beanies that you can purchase. Inclu- including um, the most, I also still have- most important oh. pride flag of all, Leslie Crusher. <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> Another podcaster brought the, the Leslie Crusher flag and I'm just like, wow, okay, thank you. <laughs> well, I said flag, not sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which I mean, it's like Leslie Crusher sweater is its own pride flag. <laughs> it's its own pride flag. Trans boys that cry or something. I don't know. <laughs> Trans boy failed wonderkins. It's the perfect flag <laughs> flag for me. <laughs> Lesbians that were looking for representation for themselves in the nineties as well. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you can find that and more at my shop. It also includes masks and comics and scenes that I've done. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Twitter at Velociraker. I also have an Instagram under the same name, though it is uh, private. 
because I, I don't want work to find me. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> I also have a store, Kodos Magical Crafts, that you can find on Etsy and on most uh, most social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, TikTok, whatever, and you can find that under biolink.com slash Kodos Crafts. And then as for Ranger Splain, where you can find us, we do have a Twitter, Ranger Splains, where we normally are. Uh, we, we do have an Instagram. Uh, we're planning to use that a little bit more soon. Uh, hopefully some project will get up the air that Ashley and I have been texting each other about. Um, mm-hmm. And also our website, rangersplain.wordpress.com, where you can find all of our show notes and links to everything above. And as always, you can find us on any social media platform. And if there is a rating, please give us a rating so we can, you know, beat the dreaded algorithm. Yes, and get out to more Ranger fans out there who are looking for two gay weirdos to talk about Power yeah, Rangers we, every month. We we love gay weirdos and wrestling fans. Please, please find our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's it for this month. Next month, we'll unleash the beast as we dive into the first Hasbro era season, Beast Morphers. As always, stay safe and may the power protect you. Go.